Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast is brought to you in part by the Lifetime Movie Club, the ultimate streaming destination for Lifetime movie lovers. Choose from 100 movies at any time with new movies rotated in weekly to keep things fresh. And you can watch anywhere on your favorite device. As a bonus, listeners of this podcast get an exclusive one-month free trial. Go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls to start your free month now. That's LifetimeMovieClub.com slash M-O-L-L-S. Welcome to Season 3 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. I'm your host, Molly McAleer. Woman behind the scenes tonight in front of the mic. Is that how people say it? Behind the mic? In front of the mic, I think. In front of the mic. Absolutely correct. We are doing a movie together. I wanted to have you on because people don't really get to hear from you. They don't. But you are a person on the pod scene. I am. And you're, and you're my engineer on the show. So Sammy, thank you for joining me for this tonight. Oh, thank you for asking me. So we wanted to pick like, a queer movie, mm-hmm. which, cause we've never done this on, like, there's never, I mean, sometimes there'll be like a gay friend, like an I'm you wed. Sure. Um, but even that's very rare. I thought maybe Jenna Elfman in Obsessed was in love with the person that she created in her mind. She could have been. Probably, also, I mean, probably was. She's so nutty. She probably pulled a fake out on a queer person as well. Probably. You're right. Yeah. Oh, probably. For sure. Well, I think she might have been like almost a, I hate to throw this word around, like almost a sociopath a little bit. I the think, way that she acted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. God bless. Well, tonight <laughs> we we decided to like go back and like look at everything we could. I found one movie that was, um, the vibe for it was like... Um, oh, let, me, let me just look it up. I'll look it up. It was like two women like forced into a new world or excited like unexpected okay it's called unexpected love right 2003 (laughs) an unhappily married housewife and mother of two children leslie hope separates from her husband and gets a new job where she develops a mutual attraction for her female boss wendy cruson there's some power dynamics involved in that as well sure but i didn't think that was the right one and you didn't either and then i googled um like LGBTQ lifetime movies. And one website I was looking at today, cause I was like, maybe I should just see what else is out there. Mm-hmm. One was like, boys don't cry. And I'm like, <laughs> that's an Oscar winning movie. Like, I don't even think they've ever played that on lifetime, No, but someone thought that it, that was, that was an option. Um, 
But ultimately, it always kind of comes back to the truth about Jane. Yeah, apparently it's a classic, and honestly, I see why. Yeah, okay, so it's Stockard Channing. Right. Rizzo from Greece. Like, that's the visceral thing, like, I'll never stop thinking about. She still has that, like, face. I mean, it's her face. Right. But, like... <laughs> yeah, she kept her face. She, like, like looks the same to me, always. Yeah. And then this young actress, do you know her from anything? Jane Ellen Muth? No, but apparently she's on a show now, right? Um, she does look familiar to me. She's on Hannibal. Oh. Or she was in 2013. And she's in something else. Um, I'm looking at her filmography. I, like, started to research, and then I saw pictures, and, it, like, she looks the same as she, as she did in this movie, which came out in 2000, and I was just like, unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. This movie was made in 2000, which is interesting, because the title card came up that said 2000, and at the time I was like... Was this maybe, you know how like sometimes in 1999, like they'd throw up a 2000 and, like, and it just like, this is just for posterity or something for the movie theater. No, it took place in 2000. Her first job was on uh, Dolores Claiborne. She started in 1995. And then this, I think was, she was on, oh, chat room, the episode chat room of Law and Order SVU for anyone at home that's an SVU head. Big credit. And then it's huge. I think chat room was a great episode. Um, then she went on to make this movie. She did a couple more TV movies, a few more actually, and then she started to book series. So she did Dead Like Me. She did an arc on that. Um, and then Hannibal. She was on for a few episodes. Oh, nice. I mean, I hope she's doing great. Maybe when, maybe when we have a lull, we can like find her on Twitter or something. <laughs> sure. Um, but, RuPaul is also in this movie, mm -hmm, which is really guess. exciting. RuPaul looks younger now, which is was like surprising to me. I don't know why like RuPaul is just like ageless to me. And then I saw this movie and they either aged him up or not really. And then their other best friend is Beth, Jenny O'Hara. Oh, that grandmother? Now there's a friend group on this that I always say, like, when you see friend groups like this, it means that they met in AA. Like, this is, like, the break-off <laughs> from their AA group. Because, like, I do not know how this, like, housewife met her gay best friend, who's RuPaul, and also Beth, who is, like, 15 years older than them. Sure, like, yeah. has to be 15 years. I mean, unless they're saying, like, Beth has lived a lifestyle... That has, like, led her to look much older than her other two best friends. She just looks like an aged purse. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I mean, you know, and then that's, that's tough. But she's done a bunch of shit. She's done tons of series. She was on Mindy Project, Franklin and Bash. She had, like, a... She's on a couple episodes of Rizzoli and Isles. Lesbians. Oh, Rizzoli and Isles. Yeah. Good. Um, she was on Big Love. Poly, po polygamy. That's not polyamory. But you know what? It's a choice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> King of Queens, big Kevin James fan over here. Um, she's worked on everything. She's had a very long career. Nice. Very long career. Um, she was great. Um, the other acting I want to talk about, and we're going to get there, and I have a couple isolated clips. I 
for everyone at home, I just realized that I gave Sammy the keys to the store because I sent her my notes like I do every single week. So who fucking knows if Sammy even watched this movie? Like she could be scamming. Well, if you follow me on Instagram, it underscore your underscore Sam. Well, I guess the story doesn't exist now, but I definitely, definitely uh, posted some, some feelings. Okay. (laughs) You did. Okay. I'm going to watch that later, but, or maybe we can play the audio. It'll be like a fun thing. Oh, it would be so fun. Um, but, but, um, you have to get your Instagram plug in. We'll have it in the, in the description. Sure. But, um, I was laughing over you, but, um, (laughs) yeah, this movie kind of has it all. The other acting piece I want to talk about is the P flag meetings at the end. Those were a lot. Those, they were a lot, but like probably some of the better character actors like we've seen on this show before, like Dorothy, my son is gay. Sure. I loved her. <laughs> She's my favorite person. Um, we will have like a montage later of just parents introducing themselves and stating their child sexuality. <laughs> Stuff like that makes me not want to like be queer at all. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. Just... And also this is the millennium. This is 18 years ago. Right. Right? Like, I was totally, like, so excited to get my Ralph, Polo Ralph Lauren purse. <laughs> like, I babysat overnight, watched. I thought the world was going to end. I thought Y2K sure. was going to happen. Sure. I was 15 and babysitting. And I kept thinking to myself, it's so weird that, like, if the world does end, I'm here with these kids. Like, thinking to myself, why would the adults run this risk? Like, <laughs> Did you, like, do any, like, secret or not-so-secret preparing as you were watching the children? Like, no, like, okay, I think I just, like, I, I mean, I didn't drink. I didn't do any. I had no, like, I had, like, no. I watched TRL. I watched, like, the MTV Countdown. Tara Reid and Carson Daly were together, if I recall. Oh, classic She was couple. really drunk. It was great. It was great. Like, at midnight, I mean, Carson, God bless him, had to hang in there all night. So... This is where these people are at this point in their lives when this is written. And this movie is also dedicated, just in case you don't make it to the end. There's a title card at the end of the movie dedicating this movie to Matthew Shepard and everyone who loves differently, um, which also kind of sets a time frame for when this was, which is that I think Matthew Shepard happened 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. which... Um, means that in two years, like after they still, Matthew Shepard was still the, now I don't think you'd be able to even pick it's a long, all the it's pe- a, it's gay people list. that are in the news having violence done against them. Ugh. Violent, gay, gay people having violence done against them. <laughs> Very good, Molly. We um, it. We so it. we're going to open up at a hospital. Um, and, this movie is narrated by Jane. I'm not particularly into the narration, although I will pay play. Sorry, my friend is texting me about um Pete and Ariana. Um <laughs> they just broke up for everyone at home who doesn't this will come out later. Um, but we're kind of going through a lot of trauma right now. Um but we open up on this hospital and like I don't know if you felt this way, but the flute music that they chose here did not is set no emotion. No, I think that, and they tried, they used it throughout the entire thing. I think. Yeah. It doesn't tell you. Cause usually with a hospital, they're telling you mm-hmm. like, you know, there's an urgency or like something bad is about to happen. There's suspense or it's like, Oh, it's a wonderful day at the hospital. Like we're having babies. <laughs> this informs nothing. And I just kept thinking like silence, 
would be like too profound, but like it would have been better. Right. And I, like they kind of like, it felt like pretty misleading because it starts out and they're wheeling somebody into the hospital and I'm like, there's no way that they killed they this kid. They just so casually take this person out of the ambulance <laughs> right. and sure, you think surely the story begins here. Yeah. Do you think it's a metaphor? Because this is about to be Jane being born. So do you think that man dying on the stretcher was a metaphor for... Do you think Jane is that man? I, you know, I would love to give the writers more credit, but absolutely not. (laughs) No, definitely not. Like, I was just wondering if maybe between us you thought that. No, Um, I just was scared that they made her a suicide case, which, spoiler alert, they did a kind of... (laughs) Yeah, they almost did, but... Yeah, um, no, that would have been really, that would have been, that would have been really intense. Well, that would have been just like every other LGBTQ plotline on TV. So what's your, like, before we go into this, what are your, like, hallmarks for stereotypes or, like, your gripes with the way that, like, queer relationships or people are depicted on television? Well, I mean, it's the whole, like, uh, the lesbian will experiment with a man or, like, the... The gay person, well, it's mostly lesbians, will be killed. Yeah, I was going to say, Christina always, like, there's some, like, uh, like it's not a meme, but, like, the idea of, like, kill the lesbian is, yeah. like, sort of a thing. Yeah, that's, like, a weird trope. And then there's, like, the, the, gay be- like, the gay best friend that's, like, also, like, doubles as, like, the quirky best friend, too. I mean, that's fine, yeah. but, like, I don't know. It's, like, we're definitely, like, uh, represented as, like, accessories. Sure, of to course. To fuel a, like, cishet. Yeah, for sure. Plots. Like, okay, I mean, fine. I, I mean, Wed was a pretty, like, just that <laughs> that man had no life no. outside of just being this woman's wedding planner for free. Right. Like, he had no emotional life. Like, no, I knew nothing about even how they met. Um, this movie, I think, is like some, I mean, it feels a little Degrassi-ish. It's it for a, sure does. Yeah. You know, this is, I think, meant for like a teen girl, like, and their mom that to sit awkwardly in the living room after and be like, wow, well. <laughs> Are you, have you been experienced? Now's the time. Like, <laughs> right. do you know what I mean? Like, you don't, this is like, it's always mothers and daughters, like, homesick or something, watching <laughs> something like this. Right. And then you watch a movie like this with your mom and then they're just sitting there like, well, I think that was fine. I think that that was great what Jane did or something or like whatever. Just like also, you know, you can't wind up being stalker Channing in this. No. And you also, you can't, if you're the, you're the teenager or whatever, you can't like wreck yourself the way Jane did because everything you just saw was the cliche handbook. Right. Of like totally. how to handle your coming out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also, I mean, we'll get more into this, but Taylor's like the bad girl. Oh god. She she's the bad girl that comes in. Well, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. I just I have a lot of thoughts on Taylor and especially as her story goes on, but like Taylor is a fuckboy. Yeah, Taylor for is sure. a fuckboy. Like for I recognized sure. all of that, but only after Yeah, Taylor will figure it out around like 28, I think. Like uh, she's uh, got a, a good decade uh, ahead of her of struggles, right. I think. But we start with, with, this is the truth about Jane. Okay. We got to talk about Jane's truth first. So, um, I do use, a, I use this piece at the top with her narration in it. I typically do not find her narration helpful. It felt a little like, 
Wonder Years is the best example of using a narration. Like it always just came in at the right moments and like did the right thing. What's the show that, like Malcolm in the Middle? I feel like was a show like that, did right? Malcolm did in the he? Middle, uh, he cut. No, he like two camera a lot. Oh, okay, Scrubs. There's one when one of those shows did it, and it was like a more recent, but not really comedy, and it was like just. It was always just like, well, I didn't need that narration. Now you're just kind of interrupting the scene to fit in. Right. I think they do it a lot when it's like a younger, uh, a younger main character. Sure. But how I met your mother used that too, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think, right. I think so. I didn't watch that show. Um, this felt like, uh, this felt like lazy writing to me. This <laughs> felt like the writer was like, how do I like talk about this? this girl's inner emotional life, like without having to establish, cause I only have an hour and 27 minutes. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's an easy so, way to get in there. We'll play this. This is like an odd ramping up of her being born. And then we're going to travel through the first um, 16 years of her life fairly quickly. I'd like to say that in the beginning I was easier, but truth be told, I was as big a pain then as I turned out to be later. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Right now, the unbreakable bond between a mother and daughter was about to be born. So just listen and watch and pay attention. If he only knew. Hey, look at this. Mom and Dad had waited a long time for a kid. They tried everything, so you can only imagine how many hopes and dreams were pinned on me, their firstborn, even though I was a potted plant. Honey, I can't hear Jane. She's not making any noise. She's probably asleep, just like I was. Robert... You gotta calm down. Go back to school. No, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna check on her. No, please. No, look, it took us this long to have a baby. I'm damned if I'm gonna let her suffer. Please, please, oh. You're insane. Okay, fine. I'm coming to you. I'm coming. What are you doing? I didn't want to turn on the overhead. That was a seminal moment for me. And yes, I do too remember it. Babies know way more stuff that goes on than you think. And from that moment on, I felt like the spotlight was on me, which I've never gotten used to. Oh, turn the light off. Turn away. Sorry, sorry. To make it through year one is quite an accomplishment. Although no one ever gives you an boy for it, they really should. And another thing I learned that year is that if parents could crazy glue us to them, they would. <laughs> My mother was pregnant and ready to pop again. And I stupidly thought that when Brad was born, he'd take some of the pressure off me. Huh, boy, was I wrong. This was also the goo goo gaga period. It's a little dull, so let's jump ahead, shall we? So now it's four years later. It's 1989. 
Jane is sick. They're trying to get her to t- we didn't, I just didn't play this cause it's like just parents being over attentive. Um, but there, she's sick in bed and mom is watching her, like literally just leaning over her, watching her. She's like, it's five. Like she's fine. Um, <laughs> dad's like comes in and sits down, kneels next to her and goes, here, drink this orange juice. And they're like, come on, drink it. It's going to feel better. And like, I don't, I didn't have two parents, but I can't imagine two adults hovering over me. Right. I think that that was just like a weird way of being like, they're helicopter parents. Sure. But like, that seems psychotic. Like I would, I would break under that. <laughs> like that's too much adult energy coming at one child who's already sick. Right. Um, but now we go to five years later, we jump ahead. Jane is a really quick storyteller. Um, Jane and Brad are sitting. Um, Oh wait, I'm sorry. Um, this is outside of the kindergarten, right? So it's five years later. I'm so sorry. No, worries. it's five years later. It's 1989. They're sitting outside of the, the kindergarten, like in a car and Jane and Brad are in the back seat. And I thought that they were getting ready to get out and go to a funeral because right. Stalker Channing's character, Janice says to her husband that she wishes her parents were here for this. Jane says in the VO that like her, all of her parents, parents were dead. And which, I mean, I guess now sets up why they're 80 years old. Right. Um, but, all of this is to say that they are literally just talking about walking Jane into kindergarten. Right. Like it's the drama of not, and I'm sitting there thinking like, first of all, she can hear you. Yeah. They're not like, (laughs) this is not the best. Like the way that they're talking about it is like, we like, Oh, I I, I don't want to go in there. If we go in there, like, What's going to happen? Like, I wish my parents were here for this. Like, they're really hemming and hawing in a way that's just a bad introduction for a child to go into school under the... You know what I mean? Right. Maybe that was just, like, what she wanted. This Her to be, like, super scared about going to kindergarten that she didn't want to go again. So, Stalker Channing actually might be a mad woman. I think she is, yeah. And I think because she's Stalker Channing, I'm like, oh, like, she's cute, though. Like, that's, you know, up until, like, things get bad... Like, you're kind of like, well, she's just like a worrywart mom, but she's stalker chanting. Like, she's right. the best. And also, like, when the shit starts hitting the fan, I feel like it makes sense because she's such a control freak. But, yeah, she's a, this is an emotionally abusive behavior to, like, <laughs> yeah. literally discourage schooling altogether because you don't want to say goodbye to your kid. Um, and I think that that is what we're supposed to take from this character overall. She later on says something about how she spends all day cooking dinner for them. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, she has no life. Like yeah. to her that I didn't really track the first couple of times I watched it as much. Sure. Like I thought she had her friends at the diner. I don't know. She's too involved. So, um, she was saying to Jane, like later on, she says like, my dream job was to be a mother. So it's like, Okay. That's really sad. Yeah, I wrote that in my notes. I was just like, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> um, and like, there's nothing wrong with that for your dream job to be a mom. I'm sure there's people listening to this who are like, I love that. But like, this was in lieu of her sort of pursuing any sort of personal interest. She wanted to be a writer, but she said she didn't have the discipline. She wanted to, she went, she tried something else for a little bit, kind of quit and, it seems like she almost just like gave up on herself. And this is what happens when someone has too much fucking energy. <laughs> so they get Jane into kindergarten, whatever. Then we go to a ballet recital later. So many close ups of the fuzzy slippers. I don't, 
Uh, yeah, this boggle. It was like five minutes of tutus, and we didn't even see which one was Jane. Like they no. were just following Jane. I had no idea which one was Jane. <laughs> I also felt like there was like two. It was like a little bit like ex- exploitive, like exploitive, like you know what You're, I mean. Like I was just like, sure. why am I like? Why? Like, for who is this for? Like, we get it. They're wearing ballet slippers. Like, and I guess, like, this is also like lifetimes by, like, the way that they do when they're just like, we need 13 seconds. Like, maybe pad in some extra close ups of the fucking shoe. Right. But I don't know. It, like, really, like, it was distr- it was distractingly long. It felt like three hours. Right. So we catch a four year later, four years later. Now it's 1993. This is when she's sick in bed. Um, then we speed it up again. Now it's 2000. Okay. The millennium baby fucking backstreet boys are burning up the charts. <laughs> TRL is in full effect. Britney Spears is 16 years old and probably just got her boobs down on the set of the sometimes video. Oh my God. Everything's happening so um mom and dad pull her up pull up to school on the first day dad by the way i will say robert has a very lax schedule like yeah i I mean good for him he's probably figured it out but they live like a nice suburban lifestyle fucking janice doesn't work and this guy is somehow able to pick like where why is he picking the kids up from school when Janice is doing God knows what down at the diner. Like, it doesn't, I don't understand what this, what job this man has. Yeah, they don't mention that at all. No, I mean, I assume he must be independently wealthy because he's got a lot of time on his hands. So the dad's like, this is where everything starts to fall into place, high school, which is true. Like, you start to kind of figure out your way in, in the world a little bit more in high school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and she's like, okay, I'm going to walk to school from now on. I mean, it's a kind of a big show. It's a big show. So she makes her way around campus, overwhelmed. Um, then she finally gets to her class. Um, we meet Miss Walcott, the English teacher. Oh, ha, horny for Miss Walcott. Okay, now I'm going to look her up. Kelly Rowan. Okay, who is she? No idea. Honestly, I thought she was such a good... I, th- I was like... Th- She's good. I was like, this is this is who I would hope if I had a kid. Like, this is the kind of teacher I would hope they would go to. Fair, yeah. She was like, like cool. Oh, this chick fucking has worked, honey. She's been working since 1964. What does that? Wow, really? Yep. She was on the TV show Another World in uh, 1988. Um, she is. She did Dallas. She had a recurring Lonesome Dove, which was like huge. Holy shit. Um, Boomtown, which I think I remember. The OC. She was Kristen Cohen, who. That's like seems like good. I think that was a big character, right? She was on 92 episodes. Holy moly. She's probably living a nice life. She was on Castle. She's still working, girl. Damn, she's out of Or in a teacher way, but I also have a teacher thing, so whatever. Yeah, no. She, I mean, listen, <laughs> she's a babe, and she's also emotionally woke. Who wouldn't love this woman? Sure. That's my That's my real question. Are you jealous of Lynn, her partner? No, I'm jealous of her students. Also, yeah, teacher thing. <laughs> oh, wait, I think her name is Lynn, and her partner's name is God knows what. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, okay, so Miss Walcott is the English teacher, she reads as super, super hetero, just like almost Caroline Ray could play her sort of vibe. Oh, sure. Because of the right? hair, yeah. The hair, and then just also just like very like straightforward approach. She reminded me of Tina Fey in Mean Girls. Got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Total like teacher. 
Um, so she starts talking about like the beauty of reading. It's like she wants people to, if they take one thing from her this year, it's an appreciation of words, which like, that's actually a very lofty goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. For a freshman. You don't really learn how to appreciate the words till you're much, much older up until then. It's just SAT fodder. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but you know, we all, we're all like on the same page. Miss Walcott's the shit. She's going to kill it all semester. So Jane gets to school and finally we realize this girl actually has friends and she's popular. She has like a, like a little group of girls that she's really close with. Fuck ass friends, whatever. They're (laughs) awful. Like literally awful. Um, and actually when I say that they're popular, I'm going to take that back and say that they seem like mid rangers. Like I feel like they're just, yeah, maybe mid range, low mid range, I think. Yeah. Cause they were like excited that like, any boy was looking their way, sort of. Not to say Ned isn't hot, but like. Oh, his name is Ned? Oops. I said, like, typed it as Nick. <laughs> I typed, that's cause, I, yeah, I typed it as Nick too. The, I think the captions, like, misled us. Oh, but, shit. um, no, it's, it's actually Ned. Okay. Um, and it, the way that they interact with boys seems very, like, sophomoric, freshman ish. <laughs> They're just um, also super horny. They're super horny and very like, it's like they've never been in public. <laughs> um, so they're like, Jane, um, they find out that like, she basically realizes the three of them are in one class. She's in the other. They have different homeroom teachers. So they're not really going to be in the same circle. They see the, the cute new boy. He smiles at Jane and all of her friends gush. Now I did when I'm going to say that I didn't really pick up on him smiling at her. No. It seems like he smiled universally at all of them and they targeted Jane. Yeah, they just pushed it him onto her. <laughs> right. Okay. Um and Jane's like not she's like right away she's like I'm not interested. Um which like do, is that like how would you handle that if your friends were like pushing someone on you? I mean, you're bi, so like I don't know it's what was like, your journey was. My journey was I mean, my journey is mostly gay right. in general, but like pushing I, I don't I feel like I'd just be like uh, no, <laughs> I would just, right, you know, right, if, right. if there wasn't any, if I wasn't horny for them, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't allow it. But your friends didn't pry. They weren't like, no, I think I've had, I've had like a pretty like private, like <laughs> relationship thing. So like people didn't push right. if I didn't like make them push me. Yeah. yeah. They sensed your boundaries were up for, they were snapped up and they weren't going to get in there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> they tell her that she need, they, that she needs to jumpstart her hormones. They're so horny. Yeah. I, I was not this horny at 15. And Jane says, and that's where the finger pointing began. <laughs> Which, like, I don't really know if that matches up with no, it didn't. the story. I wanted her to say, and that's where the fingering began. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back at home, Jane's doing her homework on the couch. Um, her brother's, like, trying to play video games in there. They actually got the Nintendo music. Yeah, I noticed that. I also noticed that they had him playing with a Sega controller, and that really bugged they me. They did? Yeah. Do you think that they do that to sort of, like, spread it out a little bit, like, to even the market, or do you think they just took what they had? I think that they just took what they had, and, like, their set direct, their set designer was just a fucking dummy. <laughs> Big fucking dummy. So <laughs> mom is um with... I wrote, mom sits with Jane and folds. Oh, she's folding her laundry. And mom's like, oh, I'll be no help with your math homework. Sorry. I studied and I like was good at English and recess. Um, which is like, 
I feel like that's something that's gotten lost in the, in the mix a little bit over the, over the years. Yeah, it was a math thing and like her dreams of being a dancer were just like mentioned for like a couple times and then like no payoff for either of those things. That and also like I feel like saying that you like all music except for rap and country is the same as being like my good subjects are English and recess. Like sure. I don't feel like I hear people say that anymore. But that was always the answer for like you know? Yeah, I was. Some people would say gym. Sure. The real, the real dummies would say gym in recess. Oh man, I love gym. <laughs> um, I think I got like a B in gym one year. I stopped getting good grades in gym because I didn't change out. <laughs> you didn't change your clothes? <laughs> no. Yeah, I think that would, yeah, that would bring you down. I think there was kids at school that did that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I wasn't just a like one, kid either. just like always one or like two. Yeah. In a gym period that would just be like, fuck it. I didn't bring my clothes. <laughs> um, so she's like, Hey, Jane, on Saturday, let's have a girl day and shop and see movies. Um, they do a little bit of like, we should, she says, we should, um, chill or something. Yeah. And she goes, no, mom, it's hang. Um, they do a fun little, like, yeah. 90s slang moment. Ends with you to bomb. You to bomb. I mean, always. So then we're at dinner, and they are eating, like, such a, a family-ass dinner. This is what they do. They eat, like, family-ass dinners with, like, fucking six baked chicken breasts on a tray and, like, salad. Like, who's eating all that chicken? I never know. Right. So um, dad's asking how she likes high school. Um her mom's like, you know, school's like pretty rough. I don't know if you remember it. Her mom's kind of like negging the whole, you're right. Fuck, she's fucking crazy. Yeah, she's in, she's like trying to get her out of the school so that she can hang out while she cooks all day. Oh my God. I didn't even like fucking put that together until I'm like rereading my notes. <laughs> yeah. Dark. Um, she's like, it's time to start planning your sweet 16. Jane doesn't really want one. Her dad's like, you know, the dad's kind of like, you know... Let's not push this. But mom yeah. really wants the Sweet 16. So then she actually takes the Sweet 16 talk to the diner with her friends, who I wrote her friends, I guess. Because <laughs> when I first saw them, I could not understand where these three people met. Like, right. maybe they worked at a retail job together. Like, I just don't understand where this collection of individuals naturally comes together. Um, but the way that they're laughing, they do like a little like, exterior probably like stock photo of outside the diner and the way that they laugh over the top of this the echo is so crazy let me know if this bothers you too okay it really bothered me and we're gonna watch from 13 minutes to 1534 <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, what teenage girl especially doesn't want to have a sweet 16 party. You know, it's what every kid should have. Wait a second, who are you? The Janice I've known all these years never did anything that was expected of her. Yeah, what happened to the hell with society girl we all used to know and love? She became my mother. <laughs> my mother? <laughs> Jane Fonda, meet Nancy Reagan. Oh, ouch. Ooh, isn't that just cold? That is oh. quite accurate. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you do on that math test? Hmm. I think I'll eke out a C. I'm so proud of you. You're the only member of this family who hasn't flunked math. <laughs> Thanks. So, any cute boys at this school? No, I just started going there. Sorry. Did you have a boyfriend right away in high school? <laughs> 
Yeah. When did you first have sex? Excuse me? <laughs> I know you know the answer. Yes, I do. I just try and remember it. I think I was 21. You're such a liar. Yes, I am. Did you always want to have kids? As far back as I can remember. Why didn't you stick with dancing? I wasn't really very good at it. Then I tried to be a writer. I didn't have the passion for it. But I really had passion for it. It's being a mother. Best job in the world. Hmm. I'm kind of glad you weren't good at anything. Do me a favor. Next math test, just eek out a B. I'll try. Thank you very much. Your reading assignment is going to be crime and punishment. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Sorry I'm late. Uh, the paperwork took longer than I planned for. That's okay. Just take a seat in the back. So as I was saying... We're going to find something exciting for you to read. Hi, I'm Taylor. Hi, I'm Jean. Hi, Jean. She was different, smarter, wiser. Maybe it was just because she wasn't from here. But maybe it was just her. I don't know, but I'm going to go with the last one. And I should know, because Taylor would end up changing my life. Okay, Taylor seems like she's 25. Um, yeah, I think they, they cast a 30-year-old to play I mean, she looks young, but she has this confidence that, like, only someone much older than 15 could have. Like, she's easily in her t- at least 20s. Well, I mean, it's I, they gave her that, like, air that she's, like, seen at least three na- three separate naked girls and that's the confidence you get totally (laughs) and she also like let's just say like taylor is rocking the full like uh, any sort of like conservative mom would be scandalized by what she's wearing absolutely which is the bare midriff the low low rise jeans which were of the fashion of the time and um kind of like a little turquoise multicultural beaded moment on her arm um, that looks homemade, and I enjoyed that about her, because you'll find out later she's very poor. And she probably did make that herself. Um, I did things like that all the time. So this actress who plays Taylor is Alicia Lagano. Um, she's done a bunch of stuff. She was in um, Lifetime's very own The Client List in 2012 to 2013. She was in several episodes, 23, all 23 episodes. So I like that they dipped back in for a former employee. I love it when Lifetime will honor something like that. Um, enough for another one. <laughs> yep. Um, she also did, um, oh my God, she did NCIS. Like she's done like a, the good guys. She was on a few episodes of that, Dexter. Oh, she works. Oh. Um, she was in Dexter? Yep, in Dexter. And she only oh. started in 2009. This is like her... I mean, she had like one part here or there, like basically small roles on, I think, five stars. City of Angels is the last start, the last movie she booked before this one. And then she did ER after The Truth About Jane. Um, so this was like only her fifth credit, and she's still she's still working. She hasn't nice. booked anything, anything since 2016, but... I'm sure she's doing great. <laughs> um, oh, she was on Revenge, my favorite show. Okay. So what are your vibes on Taylor? 
Um, initially, I was I was in, and it made a whole lot of sense that she that J- Jane was affected by her mm-hmm. as she was because she's like confident, like gave her the cool handshake and stuff. It was yeah, she, she's she's really doing exactly what she should have. As a fuckboy, her game is on point. She's a fuckboy. And this is her third, like, or not her third. This is her third naked lady. This is her first day <laughs> at fucking, at high school. Like, at a new school where everyone's already started. And she walks in that classroom like she owns it. Um, truly, Christian from Clueless was the last person I saw make an entrance like this. <laughs> um, she takes it outside the classroom. Taylor comes up to Jane at the lockers and she's like, hey... What are the, um, like previous assignments? And then Jane's, Jane's friends come over to where they're sitting and they're like, Oh, new friend. Like they're basically like, they're cunts. Like the way that they handled it was probably, I mean, I would say that this was probably pretty similar to my friend group that I was in. Really? Where it was kind of like, who's that person someone's was hanging out with? Except we were more like, we were welcoming. But, like, it was always, like, wait a minute, like, who's that person's new friend? We also, like, usually knew everyone, so right. it was just, like, weird. But they seemed surprised she had a new friend. Um, and they're, like, come to the movies tonight. She's, like, I can't. I have to babysit my brother. And then Taylor, now that I think, now that I know she's a fuckboy, she's a confirmed fuckboy, Taylor's, like, oh, can I, like, maybe come over at, like, 8 p.m. and, like, do all the previous assignments right. with you? After she, like, immediately, like, this is a thing that I noticed is that nobody respects Jane's personal space. No one. At all. Like, everybody's just up in her business, but, like, that's, when they're in the, when they're working, like, Taylor's already making physical contact with her. Sure. Like, writing on the binder. Just like, you have your own books. Like, get, get, at, get off of Jane. Yeah. Oh, so forward. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I, do you think she targeted Jane? Like, Absolutely. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think that she knew Jane was gay or do you think she's like, I'm going to roll these dice? She's just rolling it. Okay. Walking in the classroom with that much confidence, she would just like, if she didn't turn left, she would have turned right and it would have been the truth about Becky. Oh, fuck, Sammy. You Dude, just changed my life. Taylor's a fuck boy, man. Like, yeah. Storming in. Yeah, she is. <laughs> She's storming the castle. She is. The rules don't fucking apply to Taylor. I'll <laughs> tell you that much. So they get to know each other, have down here. We do a little bit of like an unpacking sort of thing with the mom. We see Beth is there with Jimmy. They kind of establish Jimmy's gay because, you know, Jane's like, got a hot date tonight. And Beth's like, nope, not his type. I'm too tall. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, Then Janice asks Taylor about herself when Taylor gets there. We find out Taylor's parents are divorced and that her mom works full time at the phone company, which is like a, that's such a good movie job of like, that doesn't require any follow up. Just works full time at the phone company. Um, Jane kicks Brad out of the living room. Um, and as she does so, she said, sorry, I think he's adopted, which we've discussed <laughs> on this show was a slam and diss when I was growing up. I still use that. <laughs> yeah. You're adopted, dude. Which is like, it's so weak because like no one is more loved than an adopted child. So Taylor's like having a jerk for a younger brother is better than not having a brother at all, which like, sorry, girl, I feel bad about a lot of things in your life, but being an only child is really not one of them. Right. I am one. It's great. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, in, for, in Taylor's defense, I, I'm sure she was just, like, she want, She probably just wanted, like, another person to take the wailing from her mother. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so they get to know each other. Jane realizes she's not like her other friends. She has a kind of a crush on her. This is all in voiceover. Why can't she like a guy named Ned? 
Um, that's what she asked herself. <laughs> Taylor and Jane run in later, uh, Ned at the movies later. And Taylor's like, he has a big crush on you. I can't blame him. And Jane, Oof. like, has a moment. Oh, that teen flirting is so good. I would have been way too dense for that. Really? Yeah, I'd be like, oh, like, like, just like, just sort of like, oh, they think you're beautiful. I can't blame them. That sounds like something that, like, people say to each other to pass time at a cocktail party. <laughs> like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't th- take that too personally. Oh, okay. I think that that's the, just like our hetero slash queer sure. experience differences. Probably. Oh, yeah. No, I would be like, that's why now I feel every time like someone said that to me, I'm like, maybe that meant a lot to them. I don't know. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Sometimes when people are complimenting you. They're really, that's why you got to say thank you. Okay. People are really putting themselves out there. <laughs> so, um, Jane then goes to Taylor's house because Taylor hasn't been at school. Um, and Taylor's really weird right when she gets to the door. One of my best friends did that when she got her first period. She just disappeared for a week. Oh, jeez. And we didn't know what was going on with her until like several months later when she was like, do you remember when I just stopped going to school? It was because I got my period. So Taylor hasn't been at school um, at all. So Jane just like decides to like cold call. She just drop in. And Taylor's weird right when she gets to the door, like in a way that only people on television are. Sure. Where she acted like the entire inside of her house was on fire, but she wasn't allowed to tell anyone. <laughs> but she had to deal with Jane and make her go away. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it turns out, of course, Taylor has like a mom who's a drunk or I don't know what's really going on there, but she was calling for Taylor, demanding her to come there, come to the door or come to the bedroom she started to get, like, angry. Like, I don't really... We we were never really filled in on what happened there. Um, late... Well, kind of. When Jane goes over to see... Or when Taylor goes over to Jane, she's just, like... she When she's sharing about why she was missing... Yeah. She said that, like, she just gets... Her mom is mad because of the divorce. Yeah, but then I'm like, why is her mom like screaming like from the bedroom in a way that sounds like she needs her to bring her a milkshake? I'm like, what's really going on there? Like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, maybe her mom like got into a bad accident and now she's caretaking and she's angry on Oxy or something. I don't know. But the, the, the ang, the level of anger and also Taylor's lack of explanation later, there's no payoff here. There's who knows what's going on at that fucking house. So Jane then says in her voiceover that maybe Taylor is so much more grown up than everyone. She had to grow up faster. Yeah, Jane, you think? So um, Ned asked Jane out at school. Jane's like, I don't want a boyfriend right now. And he's like, maybe we could just be friends. Um, So they're friends now. They wrote Ned, Ned to be so cool. Like, any other boy would have just been He's so cool. And, like, especially because they set him up as this, like, bad, dangerous hottie. Right. And the lip lights. Those bother me. Yeah. (laughs) No, he's great. He's great. Yeah. So, there's, like, a lot of tension at dinner between Jane and her parents. Um, They're starting to see that she's a little bit removed. And they keep pushing for conversation, but she won't allow it. Later, she's laying in her bed when her mom comes in. I hated a follow-up with moms. Like, I hated this. And again, with the being immediately in her space. Yeah. But also, is that just because I wasn't hugged when I was a child? (laughs) No, I mean, like... I was. No. I mean, it's just a lot. Like, I hated when my mom would come and sit on my bed. I'd be like, ugh, get out of here. This is my space you gave me? Stop! Yeah, just like, fucking leave me alone. Like, it's not any better. I probably should have let you just go to your room. But I got upset. 
You haven't been yourself lately. I worry about you. I know you do. It's just growing pains, Mom. You know, you can tell me anything. You may find this difficult to believe, but I actually went through this myself once. I'm your mother, I'm your friend. I just want to help you. It's okay. Don't worry. Your friend Taylor's here. You up for company? Yeah. You would have had to been blind not to see me light up at Taylor's name. But thank God parents don't have a clue sometimes. If a kid were drunk or stoned and fell over in front of them, they'd convince themselves that it was an inner ear problem. I know my mom's having a rough time taking care of me and making ends meet, but it never gets any better. She blames me for the divorce. And when she looks at me, she sees him. And she goes crazy. I could take the hitting if I just knew that someday it might stop. It'll be okay. Did this make me gay? No, it was just an innocent crush, a phase. At least that's what I kept telling myself. But I also know that it was the first moment in my life that I ever felt connected to someone. I don't understand what this trope is, but they do this a lot. Somebody is going through a traumatic experience, and they're sharing, and now it's time to be romantic with them? Right. What is that about? Yeah, that is really weird. I really, I hate that so much, because, like, yeah, when... Because it's implying that either way it's a manipulation. Either they're being emotional because they, like, want to cue up some sort of hookup with this person mm-hmm. or that someone's emotional vulnerability is like a direct reflection of their desire to be physical. Exactly. It's, it's very, you're it's, right. It's that's such weird. a weird like social norm. Like when you need to be vulnerable, you need, someone needs to be in a vulnerable spot for you to like make a move. <laughs> if you had just told someone like your dad died or something like, and then they decided to like lean in and kiss you, especially if it was, because it always isn't a movie, something that's somewhat like a, taking a leap or like something illicit sort of, where it's yeah. like, I'm just a nerd. I don't know if I can kiss the popular girl. Like that, that is always when it happens. And that would be probably the worst and weirdest thing than if you just, someone who's totally not your like um, equal socially or in any other way that, I mean, you're right. That's so fucking weird. You've got me like tripping on that. <laughs> it's sick. Right. Like it'll be like Jennifer Love Hewitt, like up against like a fucking brick wall crying to some person that like has a big crush on her and then they'll go for it. Yeah. And, and it's like, like, hey, d- you don't need to be sad. 
kiss. And then almost all times they're into it. Occasionally Mm -hmm. I'll get someone that's like, what are you doing? But like, that's a very rare, that's like, ooh, plot twist. Like she doesn't go for it. Yeah. Um, I think that's weird. It's, I would like to discuss that more. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's that weird thing. And I don't know, it's like a, a comfort through kissing. Like, because we're not taught that as children. No, that's act, that's exactly almost like the point. Is like, is that romantic cues seem like the opposite to me of what... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. when you'd almost like feel your most caretakey or mothery. But like, you know what? Uh, some people are into that. I guess. That's some people's uh, whole hook. Apparently Jane is. So Jane's mom asked her if they can go somewhere after school. Um, Jane says she has plans with Taylor, um, and her mom, like, wants to know what happened to her original group of girlfriends. Did you ever have, like, I think I, I would say I had a couple friends that, like, my mom really, like, didn't love me hanging out with them. Sure. And it seemed almost arbitrary, and, like, maybe that person was a slightly, like, negative influence in one way or another. Maybe <laughs> one that was more obvious. Yeah. But, like, definitely not as bad as some of my other friends. And it always seemed like almost my mom would just be like, I don't know. I don't like that girl. (laughs) I don't, there's something I don't like. And it's, it was always like, well, the one you should be worried about is like this chick. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know why it just because her parents are Orthodox Jewish. Maybe that's why. Yeah, totally. But like my mom also wasn't a snob because my mom was the single mom, like in town, like there wasn't a lot of single moms where I grew up. So like in a way, I think some people thought like my environment might be dangerous, but she still had like people that she was like, I don't know. Like, weirdly cautious about. Did your mom have anyone like that? Um, not necessarily. I kept, this is, I was such a weird kid. I kept my friends, like, separate from my home life. So I didn't really, I didn't really talk about my friends a lot. Right. Until, like, maybe sophomore or junior year. But the person that my parents were weary about, uh, was this girl. And it was because they saw how, like, I was just, going through the process of falling in love with her and being right. hurt with hurt by her, but not know, but I didn't tell them that I was in love with her. So they just sort of, they were just like, is this, okay? are you okay? Right. Were but, you out yet? No, I didn't. I like refused to be out even though I knew. Yeah. I mean, this movie is the exact opposite of that. This uh-huh. is trial by fucking fire over yeah. here. She was like very communicative. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, and also, she's very keenly aware, mm-hmm. I think, very quickly. Yeah. So, um, Taylor and Jane are heating up. It's like a little mini montage of them passing notes. And, I wanted well, to know what on, was on that note. Me too. And I also started to kind of wonder, um, like, it's put on, it's put, together sort of later on that this is really only like a two-week period, Mm -hmm. which this seems like an entire semester to me. Oh, sure. Jane says that she decided to stop hanging out with her friends, um, that they would have to understand. Interesting. Um, Janice tells Robert that she's worried about Jane. She hasn't been hanging out with her other friends. Her mom says she's not dating anyone. That's weird. She should be dating someone. She's like, she should be giving us a heart attack by now. Um, her dad says he prefer, this is, they're in bed. This is mm-hmm. what's really weird. Her, they're, they're in bed and like he's sort of like spooning her and she's laying on oh, her yeah. back. Oh yeah. He gives her a weird like front. He dress. humps her. He humps her oh, thighs. <laughs> and he is like, I prefer if you, she never dated because everyone knows what boys want. And then he like kind of like humps his wife's leg. Ugh. And it's like, 
that's like really like gross to say in the same sentence like yeah. that you know someone people want to fuck your kid like that it's is disgusting. insane but that's like the lifestyle that they wanted versus oh god right that's so what gross, the, that is like, normative that is what they wanted which is so gross Ugh. so taylor tells jane that her mom's out of town for the night she can go over Janice tells um, Jane that she wishes that... Um, oh, so Jane's like... We come in on like Jane just having told Janice that she's not coming over dinner. And she's like, well, I wish you had told me before I started making dinner. <laughs> um, and Jane's like, I don't see what the big deal is. Like, what's the big whoop? And her mom goes, what's the big whoop? And she <laughs> like... It's like this whole moment where it's like... I think I don't know if you remember this, but like your mom's were like snapping on you when you were a teen for what seemed like no reason, and then you look back and you're like, this was symptomatic of so many concerns that she had for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she's like, you know, you're a smart ass. You were never like this when you hung out with your other friends. Jane says that she just doesn't. She probably just doesn't like Taylor, but she's really, um, je- she's really just jealous. She'd rather spend time with her. <laughs> You're just jealous. Oh, what a teen move. Uh, yeah. Um. So Jane's nervous as she walks up to Taylor's. We get some VO of her being like, "I kind of want to be there, but I didn't want to be there, but I should oh, be there." This got me. We get in, and Taylor is a million candles lit, which is, I thought. Considering that her drunk mom, who's supposedly out of town, she seems flighty. The last thing I would want is some like crazy drunk mom bursting in when I had like a million <laughs> pillar candles lit everywhere. But like immediately, my mind, my mind's like, Taylor, you're not in a safe space to have that many candles lit. <laughs> um, so they're, they're about to hook up. Jane's not ready. She, but she wants to, but she doesn't want to. Um, and so then they, they hook up, I guess, and we come up on the two of them just like under a sheet. With the classic feet cuddles. Yeah, they're having feet cuddles. And like they both look on a separate emotional journey. Like when you see them, they're both thinking probably a million things, but right. they're like looking in different directions. And that's very, that's very uncomfortable for right. me. Well, cause Jane was just like, Probably not ready, but this was the person that she had available. Sure. And Taylor's just like, another one for the fucking belt. Yeah, Taylor's like, where, I'm like, where does this fucking teenager who does not have an after-school job get this many fucking candles? <laughs> she's just like, she's, she's just a, a candle she's maker. a player. <laughs> like, she's a fuckboy. Uh, classic fuckboy move. Bunch um, of candles. Sure. And so then Jane and Taylor talk at school. Taylor comes up to her and Taylor's like, hey, that was great, right? And Jane's like, hey, listen, that was weird. I feel like we made a mistake. Like, what if this makes me gay? And Taylor's like, it doesn't make you gay. But even if you were, who cares? Um, and Jane's basically like, we should just be friends. Um, and Taylor really fully like takes that and runs with it. Oh, sh- yeah. So the next thing we see is Jane like eating a fucking sad sandwich that has like a single piece of lettuce <laughs> coming out of it, which I was like, classic TV sandwich. She passes by her with four dudes. Like, how did Taylor make four guy friends? Same, same fucking, same fucking confidence. Just walk into anywhere. Walk into anywhere with that and you'll get it. That is, that, I mean, that to me is like, you're a fucking shapeshifter. Like, she's a chameleon. I don't know if she was forced to do that or like, what? Where did, did the life find her? Did she, is she, is she the life? I don't know. (laughs) So, Ned and Jane are at the movies. Like, I guess she's now decided to date Ned. Um, and she immediately doesn't feel good, asks to go home. Um, and now Stockard, you know, on the other hand, she's meeting up with her crew at the diner, um, having a little, a little catch up session. It's 3217 to 3318. 
own life, own friends. She doesn't want to be around her mother anymore. Of course she doesn't want to be around you. I mean, I, I, she's a teenager. Do you blame her? Thank you for those kind words. Janice, none of us wanted to be around our mothers when we were teenagers. This is different. How? I don't know. I just wish she was still a baby. Why? <laughs> so she needs you? That is sick. I mean, you should be thrilled that she's a person with her own ideas and dreams and goals. Well, I'm not. I'll look on the bright side. You still have Brad to suffocate. No, he's a boy. He won't need his mother until he gets his first apartment and needs someone to decorate it for him. <laughs> you can laugh all you want, but she's hurting and I can't help her and she won't talk to me. Well, maybe she needs to sort through things herself and then she'll talk to you. Yeah, just give her some time. I mean, and take comfort in the fact that you are the millionth mother to go through the exact same thing this week. And to think I used to enjoy these lunches. <laughs> Check. <laughs> One of my favorite ways to watch Lifetime movies is on the Lifetime Movie Club, streaming 100 Lifetime movies anywhere, anytime. New movies are rotated in weekly, so you will never run out of new juicy movies to watch. Plus, listeners of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast get an exclusive one-month free trial. Just go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls, and if you're still not convinced, let me tell you about this month's movies. We've got I Am Elizabeth Smart, which I believe was produced by Elizabeth Smart, has Skeet Ulrich in it, and it is beyond creepy. It really... If you ever thought you knew what happened to Elizabeth Smart, watch this because you didn't. Uh, Cocaine Godmother is on there. How could anyone not watch a movie called Cocaine Godmother? And Rules Too Late to Say Goodbye and Committed. Again, to get your free month of Lifetime Movie Club, go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls. That's LifetimeMovieClub.com slash M-O-L-L-S for the exclusive to us offer of one free month. Okay, so let's just talk about not only is the take archaic that her son doesn't, like, need her, but that's a really weird, like... I've never heard a mom say that. I hear like, you know, oh, you lose your son when he meets his wife or whatever. Like, I've heard that. But I've never heard like, you're useless to your son until he gets an apartment and to you have to decorate yeah, it. Yeah, that was such a, that was super weird. Poor writing. I mean, it's poor writing, but also this woman, I think, is, the more I watch it, she's fucking deranged. She's like Heather Graham and Flowers in the Attic. Like, who <laughs> knows what this sneaky woman is thinking? Oh, she's nutty. So, Jane uh, comes up to Taylor at the lockers to talk. Um, She's like, I was scared, blah, blah, blah. Taylor's like, there is no us, okay? I want want to be with people who want to be with me, which she just said she wanted to be with you. Like, what, two days, and you're like, you've turned on her, Taylor? She found an out, man. She's trying to get out. But thank God, because normally we don't normally play clips this close together, but I have to play Miss Walcott coming in grabbing her by the hand, pulls her into the office, and closes the door for a one-on-one. Can't hold that fucking kid's hand. Personal space, guys. Whatever it is, Jane, it'll be okay. No, it won't. You just gotta pull yourself together. I can't. In a little while, you'll feel better with whatever it is that's upsetting you. You'll see. Things will change. I don't want to feel better. And when something's happened, it doesn't change. You want to talk about it? Fine, you want to know what I'm upset about? I slept with someone for the first time. That can be traumatic for everyone. 
No, I think it was more traumatic for me. We broke up already. Is that what you wanted to do? No. But that's what I did because I'm a coward. No, you're not. In our first sexual experience, we sometimes invest ourselves wisely and sometimes foolishly, and it doesn't matter which. Because in the end, the investment's the same. But if you want to be with them, you got to tell them that. I did. They've moved on. But if you don't try again, you'll never forgive yourself. My advice to you is, I'd write them a letter, and I'd tell them why you did what you did and how you really feel. sound like a broken record, but I'm just trying to help. Can't you tell me what's going on? I just want to be left alone. Please. Okay. Taylor, my life changed the moment I met you. Only I was too stupid to see it. Actually, I was scared, and I'm sorry for that. You took my breath away, and it frightened me. I'm not frightened anymore, and I'd like another chance. Okay, I do think Stalker Channing was a miscast, but I also think that there are such weird inconsistencies where there are there are more consistencies than I realized previously about, like, her kind of lacking, like, a goal in life, like, not really having, like any sort of like subject matter of choice that she's interested in. But what's weird is that this woman who just screamed at her for not informing her that she was going to have dinner, like lets her teenage daughter skip a meal. Like my mom would be like, come sit at the fucking table. Like you're not allowed to sit in your room. Like if you're like actually not going to eat for some reason, then like you at least come up to like that, that to me was wild. Cause like, (laughs) that's just like, well, like you just said, you're like, your kids skipping dinner to stay in her room and write in a journal, but she's fine. Like that is, she is not fine. One Oh one. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know if you were allowed to like have stuff like that, but like if I started to show any signs of like having a secret life, my mom was fucking cracked down on that. shit. <laughs> oh, no. Like it was like, come to the dinner table and just sit here then like while we all eat, like I would never be allowed to skip a meal and pout in my room ever. Fair. Um, so Jane's watching TV with her brother. She's babysitting him again while her parents go out. Um, they all fall asleep, but then the doorbell rings and it's Taylor and she asks if she can talk to her privately. So they go to their room and she says that she got Jane's letter. It was beautiful. Um, and then Jane, uh, Jane says, hmm, she thought she was dating someone else. She thought maybe she was with one of the guys, but she wasn't. Um, she was just hanging. Then they kiss and, um, Brad, is, is staring through the door crack. I saw that coming. Of course. So, yeah, it was whatever. Yeah. Well, it's like pretty bold to think that like you can just have someone like if I was in high school and some guy like that I kind of was into came over and I went like and my mom wasn't home, I would be terrified, let alone like go in my room and then shut the door with them in my house. That would have never happened. Yeah. 
So I don't know who she thought, like, girl, Brad's in the house. You have a tattletale. <laughs> so the next day, the girls that she used to be friends with are gossiping at the lunch table. And they're like, guess what disgusting news I have? Like, guess whose little brother goes to school with someone's little brother who said that she was kissing a girl? That was a really weird blind item. I'm blind. <laughs> that is exactly what it was. It was a fucking blind item. <laughs> and, like, they are being so just... 2000 about this like I I would hope to God that kids don't talk like this at lunch still but like there definitely are kids that still talk like this at lunch somewhere still yeah um and like they're so dramatic about it like one girl like pushes her lunch tray like she's so repulsed by this idea she can't even finish her meal yeah that hurt seeing them react that way like it was definitely hurt yeah I was like oh shit yeah people think that way I forgot but also these girls are just so petty. Like they just don't know. They don't under, they, like they have no life experience. So they don't understand. Like not just, they're not, they're wrong for doing this, but I think almost in a way it's like almost more disgusting than if they came to this conclusion on their own. Like because they've just been taught like that's weird. Like yeah. Jane shouldn't be kissing that girl Taylor that she ditches for. <laughs> it's fucking depressing. So Janice gets a phone call and she's like, who is this? Wait, what? Who is this? Um, and obviously this is some sort of like smear job. The blind item is traveling. Um, and Janice and Robert talk about this alone in their bedroom. And Robert's like, listen, it's just a crank call. She's like, no, it was slander. Someone called me and said, my daughter's a lesbian. Um, which is wild to think about someone crank calling your parents with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it was one of those girls, obviously. Yeah, totally. But also like, who do they think they are to just like spread that news to parents? Like who, like, even if it wasn't those girls, like who, there was no, it was dignity like their or, job. There was no dignity or sense of decency in high school when I remember it at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, I went to a pretty liberal school and people were still fucking terrible. So. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. I feel like I heard not about stuff like that, but I think I heard kids would like call people's parents about other stuff. Like so weird. Yeah. Like I saw your kids smoking or like, did you know so-and-so like slept, slept with your kid or like some, like, you know what I mean? Like the children were doing it. Yeah. Like calling each other's parents and like, like leaving anonymous messages or like leaving threatening notes and stuff like that. I think that that happened in high school for sure. Like it was definitely like rare instances and it wasn't like pretty little liar status where like these girls are being terrified, but it was definitely like drive by someone's house and like throw a fucking note on their stoop that like says something crazy. Like you would hear once in a while, hear stories like that. Um, my friends and I were much more tame. I volunteered <laughs> at the church a lot. Um, boy. so I know I did. Um, so they, Robert's like, you know what? If she was kissing Taylor, maybe they were just practicing. Oh. Um, and they're like, we need to tell her everything about this right now. Just so like, she knows that this vicious rumor is out there about her. What? Like her dad coming to that conclusion we're, which is like such as like a a fucking porn slumber party trope is like do you know what I mean like yeah. that's what it is it's like that's like a porn thing yeah yeah I was puzzled 
a lot by him coming to that conclusion, but now it makes sense. It's also like a Judy Bloom book thing. Really? Like when they're like, yeah, like Sammy like downloads all the Judy Bloom books. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he was yeah. just driving around town <laughs> with an audio book on. Get to the uh, kissing part. Yeah. Get, I, okay. We get it. She gets her period. Then what happens? Did she kiss a girl for practice? <laughs> but, yeah. That used to be like, I mean, I think that's like a porn thing, right? I don't know. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how all the, the teenage girls girls wind up having lesbian sex at the porn slumber party, Ugh. but it somehow happens. Um, so they're like, we have to tell Jane about this like slander that's out there. So we're going to play 4032 to 4244, which is the very, very awkward confrontation of no matter who you're into or what, if your parents came to you and said this, I, I mean, it makes me want to die. <laughs> Come in. Honey, we need to talk. Yes. We got a phone call. A very disturbing phone call. And we know it isn't true, but we felt we should talk to you about it because um, we felt we should warn you. Warn me about what? What? We don't know who called, honey, but uh, they said that uh, you were a lesbian. They said that someone had seen you kissing Taylor. We know it's just vicious gossip. You could tell from the way she said it that the thought of it was out of the question. I was frozen with fear. I wanted so badly to tell the truth, but I was so afraid of losing my parents. I couldn't speak. Is it possible that uh, you kissed Taylor? Uh, that you were practicing with her? Yeah, that's what we were doing. It won't happen again. Oh, well. Oh, we didn't mean to upset you, honey, but there are some really nasty people in this world. Uh, don't worry about it, babe. Well, we love you. Good night, sweetie. Good dream. Good night. I used the word coward before, but I never really understood what it meant until that moment. I was ashamed of my feelings because of what someone else might think. I made myself sick. She literally just threw up next to her bed. Have you ever thrown up after feeling yourself yeah. a coward? No, not a coward. Well, no, not a coward, but I've been emotionally upset at situations in myself to the point of puking. That seems like a weird moment to puke, though. It she is. She processed that pretty quickly. She did. So Jane does the fucking G move, and she decides to just pull up to gay Jimmy's house, gay <laughs> Uncle Jimmy's house, um, which is, I had a gay Uncle Jimmy, not Fiona's dad, a different Uncle Jimmy that you guys don't know about. So she gets to Jimmy's house, and Jimmy is very receptive to her. This is RuPaul's, the actor, by the way. 
um, he's very receptive to her and is like a safe harbor for her in a really nice way. That was kind of surprising to me. I don't know why. I mean, for the movie it was, but I would think in real life, any one of my moms, even probably someone that was pulling for me, like emotionally would probably feel a level of wanting to disclose something to my mom. Yeah. This might be, this obviously I feel is different. If she wasn't being harassed, I would think it was 100% different. But this obviously is like, he doesn't need to out this young girl. No. It was nice that he was a, like a space for her. Yeah. I think you kind of have to be when a child comes to you with that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know why I, part of me thought like, oh, be careful. And I think only part of me felt that way because she was getting harassed. So I was like, oh, Jimmy, don't feel like later you have to go to Stalker Channing. Right. And be like, I knew. Right. And there's, a, I mean, there could have been a part of Jane that's just like, maybe Jimmy can tell her instead of me. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he brings up some good points. You know, he says, like, his his life has been very difficult. As, like, a gay black man, he had to grow thick skin at birth. Like, he basically tells Jane, like, your mom... He doesn't say she'll be fine with it, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, and and Jane even said, like, but she's been best friends with you. Like, why would she care if it was me? Right. And these are good questions, Jane. So people at school are now, like, they got on to Taylor and Jane, like, real quick. Oh, yeah. It went really wide. And Gay so, rumors run like wildfire. Yeah. So they're going through the hall and people are like, hey, lesbos. Her teacher tells the kids to shut up as they're walking by, which I liked. We don't know yet about Miss Walcott and her personal life. We go to family dinner. Brad says he's playing mini golf that weekend. Jane says she's going to go see Taylor. Her mom says she would prefer if she didn't hang out with that girl. Then Brad says she's not a girl mom. She's a dyke. (sighs) Like rough. Because like Brad's also maybe 10. Um, And that's like a vocabulary word for a 10 year old. I'm a little bit like surprised by, um, (laughs) Jane completely like, I'm still trying to figure out what the angle was on how she did this, but she either jumped over the table and like throttle, like just like fucking went for his throat, lunge for his throat. (laughs) Or I don't really know what, but all of a sudden we know the entire spread is now on the floor. The two of them, like she's like rustled him to the ground, um, food goes everywhere. The dad pulls her off Jane. Um, and then they tell Jane to go to her room. She's like, why don't, like, why don't you tell him to go to his room? And he goes, because I'm not a dyke. <sighs> Dude. So then Brad goes to his room. Um, and we cut to this clip. Um, it's just two minutes long, 6.50 to 48.50. The next time he says something awful, just let it roll off your back. This is just gossip. It's not just gossip. I lied to the two of you because I was afraid. Afraid that you'd hate me, afraid that you'd throw me out. I did kiss Taylor and I think I'm in love with her. But she's a girl. You don't know what you're saying. Yes, I do. But it's okay, because Taylor is a really good person. That's not the point. 
Why is it wrong for me to care about someone and for someone to care about me? Because it's not right. You don't have a clue. If you're saying that you're gay, you have no comprehension of what that means. I don't care anymore. It's what I feel. It's what you feel? How do you know what you feel? You're a 16-year-old kid. Look, this is just a phase, and it's going to stop right here. It's not just a phase. I'm gay. If you could just see it through my eyes, to have someone you care about care about you, and they make you feel not so alone in this world. Does it really matter who the person is? Of course it matters. Why? Why? And since when do you hate gay people? Jimmy's been your friend forever and he's gay. He's not my daughter. He's my queen. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no shit, Jimmy's not your daughter. Like, no one thought Jimmy was your daughter, Stalker Channing. <laughs> I mean, this goes about as badly as possible without, you know, her being kicked out of the house or something. I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, heard of Heard of worse. Most are better, I would say. No, 50-50. Most yeah, most are 50-50. Um, that went as, that went pretty good as that far as like good. everybody kind of walked away right then. Right. Um, and it seemed, it seemed pretty fine. I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but I didn't have a very difficult coming out because my sister came out and my mom had a gay face before my dad. So like everyone was like totally fine. But this seems like pretty tame. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's the. It, this is for lifetime. This is pretty bad. Okay, <laughs> I guess you're right. You know, and I have to always put it in the context of like this. This is a tense moment for lifetime. For like, they're not being like a, a babysitter that's sleeping with the husband involved <laughs> or something. You know. Sure. Um. I think the family and girl positive took it better that their daughter had contracted HIV. Um, girl positive? Which this is pretty, um, did, were you not here for girl positive? Oh, I wasn't. Oh no, that was a Steven. That's, um, that's when, um, Kelly from, um, 90210 had AIDS and this girl, she, she was a specialist at school and her parents took it a lot better than this girl's parents took the news that she's a burgeoning lesbian. Oh my God. Um, which, I mean, this is not a big deal. This is like, it's 2000, so I guess so it was 20 years ago, but this is like not a big deal if your 16 year old daughter, like, when she says, like, you don't really know how you feel, you're 16. Well, like, if that's your belief, then like, let that be your belief and like, take her feelings to be a grain of salt. But if that's what she's saying she believes in and you're giving credence to all of a sudden her feelings, if she feels a certain way, mm -hmm. It seems like a weird double standard. It's like you would, un if she came to you and said she liked a boy, would she know what her feelings are? Right, exactly. And then Stalker Channing is just like so serene during this. Like she's obviously shook, but like she's not emoting much. She's right. kind of just has this like look of shock on her face for someone who, let's just say this news has been ramping up for like four or five days in this house. Yeah. Additionally, Jane became crystal clear on everything really quickly absolutely she did She's i was like, oh, like yeah. oh she like can already articulate this to her parents this was a 
like wild seven days for her. <laughs> right. But also like, I think they did give Jane, like she d- feels, she speaks older. Oh yeah. No, she's mature for yeah. sure. Mature. I, you know, I just like, I look back and I think I didn't even have a cell phone at this age. Like, I feel like this would have taken me a month and a half (laughs) in 2000 to like even put together my thoughts about like, if if I liked a guy and wanted to tell my mom or something like this is, she's moving at the fast pace of like an adult with their first cell phone in 2009, (laughs) like with this information where she's like in with Taylor, like you had to still call someone's house back then. I, I just... It's very lifetimey. We're getting a lot of stuff done very early on. And then as you'll see in the second half, we get a medium amount done. So Jane cries alone in the dining room. Um, Janice and Robert, they have like, you know, a talk one-on-one. And she's like, this wasn't part of the plan, Robert. Um, which would make sense if she was narrating this movie. I was unaware that they had like a bigger picture plan. This was like, right. okay, now we're getting some of their inside dirt. Um, she didn't think she was a terrible mom, apparently. Oh, so like all of this is about her basically. Yeah. Um, and she says though, you know, the world is not a tolerant place. Jane is my baby, which was, I think that was like the number one, um, I'm liberal, but I don't accept my kid like point du jour back then, which is like, I don't want my life to be harder on these kids. Right. Which is like such a... I feel like it's kind of... I mean, I understand it, but also with this kind of parent, it's such a bullshit, like, fill-in-the-blank line. You know what I mean? Oh, no. She's, like, like, grasping for anything. She heard that on an episode of Life Goes On or something. Right. So, then, um... He says to her, like, listen, like, I don't want this either. I wanted to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to have kids. I wanted to have grandkids. Um... And he says, like, one thing's for sure. We can't turn our backs on her and let this tear us apart. So Janice tells Jimmy that, um, that Jane came out to her and, um, Jimmy says he knew, which I thought was not Jimmy's place yet. Yeah. Poor planning. Um, Janice can't believe he didn't tell her. Um, he's like, I'm gay. You love me. And Janice is like, but I don't want Jane's life to be as hard as yours was. It's like, it's not gonna be. <laughs> yeah. And also he is like, it's not your job to judge how hard my life has been, which is true yeah. because she probably couldn't imagine for like a day, um, or is putting something way worse on him than was, is reality either or. Janice says that as long as Jane's her responsibility, she'll have a say in this. Jimmy says to not make it this hard because if she does, she'll regret it till the day she dies. So Jane's in therapy now. She won't speak to this therapist. <laughs> um, Jane's got some sass on her. She does. Jane, Jane is pissed now. She's like full, like bad girl now. She's yeah. like, I'm not fucking talking to this therapist. I'm going to do what I want. Um, she says she calls her mom a bigot. Which I was like, okay, wild. Um, it was a pretty. It was, I thought it was funny that she was calling her mom a bigot in front of a her therapist, which who was a person of color. Yeah, a black woman for sure. And so then Janice is eating alone with her girlfriend Beth at the diner. Jimmy's not there that day. Jimmy has other plans. And I wondered right now. I'm like, I wonder what that looked like. Like where when he was a time where he just like wasn't. <laughs> like Beth had to come and say, Oh, Jimmy's not going to make it today. And meanwhile, right. like Jimmy had called Beth and been like, she's out of her fucking mind. Like I'm done. I'm not coming to the diner today. 
She is, um, she tells her that she's doing what she can to keep her away from Taylor. Jimmy is of no help. Beth is quiet until she asks her, like, what's going on. And Beth was like, basically, like, you know, you need to look at why this bothers you so much. And Janice is like, well, what do you know, Beth? Like, you can barely keep a fucking relationship in your life. And I'm like, well, what if Beth is fine? Like, what if, like, you know, that was so, it was like so low and so weird. And I'm like, tell me about Beth's life though. Like, Beth, for all we know, Beth could like have an, an amazing passport stamp collection. She could be traveling around <laughs> the world, living it up. So, um, Janice is really cool here and says, yeah, she has, she just needs to mind her own business. So Jane and Taylor, they talk about therapy. They're eating slushies or something outside of school. And Jane says it sucks. Um, her mom thinks it will convert her. And Taylor says, if that was true, then a lot of queers would head to therapy, but that's not possible. <laughs> Um, they are who they are. Um, Taylor says that there are places they can go that are safe. Can Jane go out that night? So Jane gets out of the house and they go to a gay bar, which for some reason is all ages Mm -hmm. as young as 16. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that was, that was weird. I thought about that for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I'm like, if I was a gay guy, that was like, let's say I was a gay guy and I was 38 years old. Like, would I want some 16 year old girls around? No, I'd be like, this is for adults. Or, right. you know, if I was any adult, like, would I want 16 year olds? No. But then again, Jane is like stunned when she walks in because she can't even believe that there are that many gaylocals.com. <laughs> and there are. There's so many. And Taylor's like, we're everywhere once you look for us, which like, Made me happy. Like, I was like, that is so, that is so someone driving in from their small town to like the local gay bar in Alabama and realizing that just because their town has 60 people that not everyone lives like that. It made me happy for them. It was really nice. And then it was a nice moment at the gay bar. So, um, the two of them are dancing. She gets home at 4.30 in the morning. That's wild. That is crazy. That is insane. Like, and also she's not drunk in this scene. So like she was just full ass sober out till 4.30 in the fucking morning. Like, wow. If she came home and seemed like coked out or like was just like crossfaded beyond, like (laughs) then I, but like 4.30, I'm like, were you killing a person? (laughs) Like why, why would she be like, what did they go for a long walk? She was, she was high off that gay life. That was her first time out. Like, I get it. That adrenaline of like, yeah, for sure. Um, that adrenaline will keep you awake. But like, what (laughs) this upsets me to think about these two 16 year olds wandering the street late at night. Sure. Get inside. Especially now that, you know, you're not just teens, you're gay teens. And that increases your statistics of being hurt. I'm not happy about it. So, okay. The parents are like, you're grounded for the fucking foreseeable future. Which she kind of gets out of quickly. Especially, again, when we find out this was a two-week time period. Right. So, she says to herself in her voiceover, acting out is a strange thing. No one wins, but you don't know that when you're doing it. That, That blew my mind. I mean, that's deep. This is like when... I think that the act, the writer wrote the voiceover for the whole fucking movie. For that? No, I think that they wrote the whole voiceover and then they outlined the rest of the script around it, which is like half the time why this voiceover makes no sense because they couldn't write to it. But like the executives never check that. Executives rarely, I don't, from what I understand, they very rarely read like the deets of VO. Oh shit. And I'm sure that's why the, the, the fucking script didn't match the voiceover and it didn't. You know, because it's a block of text. They just look at that and they're like, okay, I get the gist. Cool. 
I don't know. That's my, that is what I would have to guess. It makes sense. Is what's going on here. So Jane's dad gets her from school that day because God knows he has the best job in the world. He tells her they have to talk about all this. She's like, I don't know what there is to talk about. Um, mom's mad. You won't look at me. He's like, think about this. This isn't a normal growing pain. This could affect you for the rest of your life. Like we're basically, we're bumping on this because we want what's best for you. Um, then Ned comes up to her the next day at school and tells her that he's still her friend no matter what they believe in. <laughs> His fucking outfit. I love Ned. What was he wearing? He was wearing, um, a sweater vest, but nothing underneath. Well, he has, he had like a, a white tank top underneath. Sure. And that triggered me to go, is Ned gay? <laughs> yes. I mean, well, it's, it's very, it's, I, it's Ned borders on like, boy band or yeah. just like Abercrombie sort of like fuck boy. They did like yeah, totally. Yeah, that's where I think that sweater vest came in. Oof. It's not forgettable. You're right. So um Taylor's like, you know, I can't believe your parents grounded you for a month. She tells Jane, this is getting out of control. This is like, this is fucked up. It's so She's like, this is out of control. There's no way that this is going to work. When like, Taylor, you didn't, you straight up didn't show up to school for like three days and Jane came and found you. Like, you're just like, you're grounded for a month. This isn't going to work. Like, yeah, dude, what? So she's like, listen, I've had more relationships than you. I just, I don't get as attached. Like I move on a lot easier. Um, you know, I was your first. That's the only reason why you think you love me. You'll get over me with time. And she gets up and she walks away. Oh my and God. I think that's our last time with Taylor for the rest of this movie. Good riddance, Taylor. What a fuck boy move. Like that was the out. That was like such an, like a, like tiny little sliver of yeah. an opportunity. And Taylor's just like, everything is terrible and crazy and weird. Just like, you don't really have to deal with it. You just kind of have to just be there for Jane. Like, how dare you? Right. And like, also uh. like you already, like your kids that spend all day together at school, like, there's people who are dating that are not doing much more than that. Like you can make it a month. And like, I kind of just don't, I don't believe like part of me just doesn't want to believe that like a woman could be that callous. Like I'm like, <laughs> she's got something else going on. Oh. Like she's a teenager. She's not in her twenties. There's not like drinking and meeting and networking and meeting other people and like new party here, new party there. Like these are suburban teenagers. Like how does Taylor have that complex of a romantic life that she's like, well, bye Jane. Like, I don't understand how she could do that to her. I just fuck boy, man. I mean, (laughs) I guess I just like, I also get, I, you know what? I think it's fair to say that like, I get weirded out when, when teenage guys in these movies are overly unsentimental. And maybe that's because like, I had a very like, high school sweetheart experience with like a boyfriend that was like, you know, we were just like, we were all for each other. So like in a weird way, I'm kind of like, there's no way that guys are less sentimental. I just, I don't understand people that are like that. I don't understand it. Male, female, like when there's teenage guys in these lifetime movies that have like blown through their fourth chick or whatever, I'm like, that's not realistic. That just doesn't happen at schools like that. Yeah. How many people went to your high school? Oh gosh, I had a big class. Um, I don't. What's an what's an average class size? I mean, I would say mine was like five hundred something, maybe more. Okay, I think it was probably around there, maybe six hundred or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was kind of big, but not huge. It wasn't like a massive public school, but there was like a lot of kids. Yeah, there was probably two thousand kids at the whole school or something, and. 
I just feel like we knew everyone's shit too much. Like, I also went to a school where there was four, 50 people to a class. Oh, wow. So, like, we also knew everyone's shit. But when I went back to, like, regular high school, I was, like, we moved. And so I, like, went back to high to my public high school that I, with everyone I grew up with. We still knew everyone's business. And, like, especially if someone was, like, fucking multiple people at school. Like, it was, like, dude, he slept with, like, two chicks. That's gnarly. Like... <laughs> We all just knew sort of where everyone was at with that. I mean, I just think Taylor Taylor's working with like a whole set of life skills that did not I did not understand at that yeah. age. Yeah, I mean, and all that trauma with her mom, I'm, I'm sure that that like knocked her loose a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so basically like Taylor like fucking full blown just like walks away leaves her crying and then of course Ms. Walcott the fucking angel of life comes over she sees Jane crying and she does a, a one-on-one rap session with her 5855 to 10139 they're on a hill what happened I'm gay and everyone hates me. They don't hate you, they're kids. What did they do? Did someone say something to you? Taylor just broke up with me. She never really cared about me in the first place. That's not true, of course she did. No, she didn't. She's just a fling to her, she said so herself. I'm sorry. You don't understand. Yes, I do. First girl I dated dumped me, too. What did you just say? I I swear I thought I just heard you say you dated a girl. I did. No way. Yes way. I'm still dating girls, Jane. I'm gay. Oh, my God. But nobody knows, so I'd appreciate it if you didn't tell anyone. I swear. I know it seems like the end of the world, but it's not. When I was 16, I fell madly in love. And her name was Barbara. And I thought I would spend the rest of my life with her. But we didn't even know what a life was then. We hadn't been with anyone. We hadn't done anything. How would we know anything? And when she dumped me to date Philip Conway, the football star, I thought I'd die too. What'd you do? I didn't die. But it took me some time to get over her. And eventually I did. We became friends. We still are. When did you know, I mean really know, that you were gay? That it wasn't a phase? Almost from the start. It's not that I didn't like men. It's just that I felt connected to women in a different kind of way. A way that I'd never felt with a man. Even though I tried over and over again to please my mother, to please other people, to be like them. But I wasn't like them. I was me. How long did it take you to get over, Barbara? A couple years. I'm kidding. But it'll take some time. An open heart is easily wounded and hard to repair. 
we had um like an adult closeted woman come to our high school mm-hmm. to her she was closeted and then she came out when she was like older she was later in life i guess she, well she was like 24 when okay. she came out sure and part of her presentation was about let's call him andy like it was like her ex-boyfriend andy and they had been together for like all four years of college and three years after. Whoa. And like her whole speech was about how she always knew she was gay and like part of her like was comfortable with Andy. And so like she just was like, I love him. So I'm just going to stay with him. And I raised my hand in class and I said, like, didn't you feel selfish? <laughs> and like she was like I just remember, like, she was floored. And she was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you knew you weren't into Andy. And I was like, and you waited seven years to tell him. Like, you knew for, like, basically the way that she said it was, like, she knew, like, right when she kind of started dating him, she realized this isn't really her thing, but she really grew to love him. Right. And, like, I guess maybe at the time, like, first of all, I think I was that, like, naive and would just, like, ask earnest questions if as long as I knew it was, like, I was, like, maybe I knew it was pushing a boundary, but I also didn't feel like it was an improper question. And I just don't think any in her, like, years of, like, you know, maybe year and a half, like, let's be real, of, like, touring high schools, visiting as, like, the token local lesbian that was in the closet <laughs> till she was 24, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone had asked her, like, well, what the fuck, like, what's, like, poor Andy, right. like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and I don't know why I thought of that moment, except for when we were watching this, we said, like, Miss Walcott definitely had a stage where she... I mean, Miss Walcott's just perfect. She gets it. <laughs> she would have never done what that woman did to Andy. She, she like, you know what? She was true to herself. She loved Barbara, which we were saying... <laughs> Who has a girlfriend named Barbara in high school? Nobody dates a Barbara. She dated Barbara, and then she was like, you know what? I tried, guys. Tried to make it work, but ultimately, I love women. And, like, I feel like she got around to that conclusion really quickly. She was honest with herself, and I I just appreciate that about her. It's only deepened my love for her. She's a strong character. What do you think, though? Was that, like, crazy of me when I was, like, 16 to ask a woman if I thought it was selfish that she... Knew she was closeted. No, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think that that's that that's definitely something that sh- you should be curious about. That's almost like the loophole where I feel like people probably wouldn't put her out on the speaking circuit now unless it was to say, okay, here's a really fucked up way you can take out being closeted on another person. <laughs> <laughs> like Now they'd probably, I feel like at the past, would be like, well, we've got a lot of other people that were closeted who didn't also like take seven years of a guy's life. Right. I mean, well, like, I don't know. Is it like that? Is it? I mean, I think I prefer her story to like some straight guy that just doesn't want to marry a chick and like holds her down throughout all of her 20s. But like, yeah. I mean, it's the same, like, it's the same waste of time, though, you know? Yeah. They used to, they used to shuttle in, I I don't, did they do this at your high school? They would, like, shuttle in someone who was other or something and, like, like, we had a girl that had been sexually assaulted come in and talk to our sex ed class as well. And I look back and I'm just like, that was, like, a college junior 
who like God knows, like, first of all, how that was actually handled at her school, like the repercussions this guy faced for some reason. I kind of think I remember her even being like, he and I like, we're not cool, but like we coexist and like, we're on the same campus. Like they probably would not have sent her in to do that now, but like they would always send in like they meaning like our who, wherever fucking high school teachers find people that had an experience, they would like send them in to talk to us. And like looking back, I'm like, half these people should probably not have been talking to high school students. Yeah. We're not prepared. And also their takes were not particularly hot, like, <laughs> or even really relatable. Like yeah. a lot of times, you know, like the idea now looking back of like some girl being like, you know, I was sexually assaulted. It wasn't my fault, but we pass each other in the student union center. Did something happen in on your campus that like kind of triggered that thought that no, they also had a police officer come in and like teach us what our rights were. And like, if we get pulled over how to handle it and like what, what kind of things like we didn't need to tell a cop, but also like that was a little bit more vague as much as he just said, like one of his main points was like, if a cop catches you admit what you did, because I, personally have like a two strike rule where like if someone says like he said I passed some kids hitting baseball baseball bats against mailboxes the other night and they were just like taking them off and I pulled them over and I said were you hitting those mailboxes and he said I give and they were like no and he said tell me the truth were you hitting those mailboxes and he said if they lie to me again he's like then he's like I go like full extent oh wow but if they tell me the truth, like, I'll basically strike a deal for, like, some simple community service and not have to go through a lot of, like, charges or whatever. Hmm. So they would bring people in to sort of, like, you know, like, they would they brought in a Native American storyteller. Like, they just bring people in. They just bring people in, and I don't... It wasn't because of an incident, even though incidents like that happened all the time. Like, you know, that wasn't something that I had a... a a, a, a free experience from in high school. Uh-huh. But I would say that the way that like also sexual assault or whatever was depicted back then was like, you were either like fully raped or a, a doctor, like a doctor touched you. Like those were the levels of like, yeah. Nuance that existed in that. So of course they brought in, like it was terrible. She was like shattered. There wasn't like a, there wasn't like a sexual assault that happened on campus. That was like a known thing. This was just a service they offered at my high school. <laughs> wow. This was like it's part intense. of mandatory sex ed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All, all we had was like, um, we had, we got scared straight as far as like dog sniffing, like the canine unit came in. Really? And then there was like Wait, for drunk drugs? driving. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and then just, drunk driving. Mm-hmm. How do they do that? They, they got, they towed in like a shattered a car, car and then we weren't told but then there was a, an assembly later on the day in the right day. yeah yeah that was that was always a um statement piece was like putting a totaled car on the lawn during mm-hmm. prom season oh, <laughs> like and it was just like look while you're at it prom just remember you could die. <laughs> right. Um, like it was not helpful. Like it was yeah. literally just like a gory piece of imagery. Right. Um, which when I was reading the Georgetown prep yearbook, by the way, which by the way, I've got theories. Um, I think a murder happened that summer and that there's a cover up. 
Um, but one of the things in the Georgetown prep yearbook was like, they had like a car collision basically in there and they were like senior driving class. And it was like, that's, yeah, people, um, we grew up in a wild time and that was 20 years before us. And this now we're living 20 years after this. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've been on fast forward for sure for like oh, yeah. five years now. Like yeah. it's been just like the way that people spoke a year ago is, is now outdated. Yeah. Yeah. The internet really sped everyone up. But it's weird to think about how this was this was very not dated and I think very accurate. If anything, this to me was more of a sunny betrayal in a Definitely. lot of ways, you know, yeah. than very light. Yeah. Um, I like the, even the bullying at school was not particularly severe. There's a really fucking, you know, the moment I'm talking about, I think the fucking hilarious moment that comes up at the end with Ned mm-hmm. and you're like, you just brushed that right off. It was my, it was my favorite thing in the world. Like I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. So we're at dinner now and Brad is not there. He's at a friend's house. They're eating Chinese takeout, which to me was almost like, has Janice lost it? Like she She hasn't made a home cooked meal tonight. Um, there's no excuse for that though. Like you're not, you can't be so distracted by the notion that your daughter is a lesbian, that you didn't, didn't do your only job (laughs) apparently, which is from start making dinner the second that everyone's out of the house for work. Um, but Robert asked Jane what's wrong. Jane's like, besides the fact that I live with the Gestapo, Taylor also broke up with me. So her mom's like, hopefully this will just stop all this nonsense. And Robert's like, you know what? She's hurting. We should be there for her. Um, and there's like this fight between them. There's a moment. I like, I felt bad for Robert in a way where I was like, this would cause a divorce. Like if this was my partner and I saw that they were like, cause Robert isn't clearly is not thrilled by the concept that like his daughter is gay and he has to accept this. Yeah. But he's very turned off by what a hard time his wife is having with it, which is kind of nice and a surprise. I mean, it's a little bit of a role reversal, I think from what most families normally portray in movies, but it's not crazy. Um, Jane's voiceover co- uh, kicks in and she's like, you know what? If there's one thing I'm sorry about here, it's that I tore my family apart. So I was expecting to see like a for sale sign on the yard next. Like right. I thought we were going to smash cut to them all moving out. But no, Jane is now, she is at the gay club by herself. She goes to, she meets like right when she walks in, she meets people, strangers. She starts dancing with them. They're having fun. Um, I have never seen someone so quickly socially accepted and find friends, and it was nice. I would like to think that gay bars are that friendly, but they're not usually, no. Depends on which city you go to. That's true. New York is not friendly. L.A. is definitely not friendly. Yeah, and it's weird. Like, it's friendly if you're a straight girl, but I know that it's really... And there's also, like, no gay... There's no lesbian bars in in L.A. Well, that's because they're not friendly. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So... She gets home. She crawls through the window of her bedroom. I'm shocked, to be honest, that she's even trying to pull this off. But she's been drinking. Her parents are like... Her dad grabs her by the shoulders and physically shakes her. It was a lot. Um, Especially for a guy that has seemed to be kind of mild-mannered in every other area so far. Um, the girls, her old friends come up to Jane at lunch and they start taunting her. They call her a dyke and just like Jane lunges for this one girl. I love how Jane, that's her move is to just like throw her body 
Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I like, cause I was thinking like today, usually in a moment where I'm being intimidated like that, like my heart is like, I'm not there in the moment after the fact. I'm like, I wish I fucking like, right. I should have, like if I was watching an instant replay, I'd be like, why isn't that girl going to fucking kill that person? But like that feeling, like, it's just like, I would have just like wilted. Like yeah. I would have melted into a puddle, except wouldn't be like chic, like Alex Mack and like be able to go somewhere. Like I would have just like died inside and then died inside. Yeah. I definitely would have cried. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was picked on in high school for like, not, not like, not like that, but like, no, it was like more like just like. I don't know, like, just being fat and weird, I think. Well, being, like, chubby and, like, being, like, a funny girl. Like, that was weird. It was really weird. But, like, I had friends. But then, like, like, I was also easy if there was, like, a a moment of, like, ten kids in a room. Like, I was a very easy one to turn to. But also, like, usually I was, I don't know. It depends. I feel like I had moments like that where I just wanted to die in high school. You just want to die in high school. It's, like, fucking terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) Still better than your 20s, though, so don't forget that, guys. It gets better. <laughs> There's this whole, like, you know, violence moment, which, like, honestly, like, dude, when I'm principal of all schools in America, my <laughs> first thing I'm going to say is, like, when two kids get in a fight, I'm going to be like, well, what the fuck was said to lead to that? Because he goes ahead and suspends her. Janice comes in and is like, well, I'm very sorry to hear about this violence. Like, of course, we'll be taking care of this at home. Like, there, there seems to have been no preamble whatsoever about the thing that led up to her daughter suddenly becoming violent at school. Like it, it I don't, listen, I'm going to do things differently when I'm the principal. So her parents tell her that she can't live this way. Jane says that she did this whole thing because Elizabeth was making fun of her and Taylor. Um, and her mom says, can you blame her? What you're doing isn't normal. Jane says that Jimmy is normal. Um, Miss Walcott is normal. Janice asked what she just said, and they're like, did you just say Miss Walcott is gay? So Jane has accidentally outed her teacher, um, which doesn't seem like a big deal in theory, right? right. But no, Janice, this is 2000, 2000. So Janice gets angry, and she's like, she's using her influence on you. Like, I'm going to tell people about this. Yeah. And it's... It's wild to think that, like, you could possibly get a teacher fired for being gay in their personal life. Can, yeah, big time you can. Um, so, um, Jane begs her not to do anything. I'll die if you do. She melts down on the living room floor. It is a pretty classic lifetime meltdown, which is great for this movie because overall, not that lifetimey. Um, (laughs) it's a huge meltdown. Yeah. Her dad holds her while she, I mean, it's, it's long and I'm not going to do that to you guys. So I know some of you are in traffic. So 10705 <laughs> to 10845, um, leading up to this is interesting. Miss Walcott? Yes. I'm Janice Tyler, Jane's mother. Oh, it's nice to meet you. Stay away from my daughter. Well, that'll be difficult. I'm her teacher. You're also gay and you're influencing her. Unless you'd like me to go to the school board, which I'm perfectly prepared to do. Just stay away from my daughter.
Jane. Your father and I have decided we have to do something about your behavior. We tried talking to you, punishing you. And therapy hasn't worked at all, so... We've decided that we should send you away to boarding school. I won't go. I like the school I'm in. This isn't your choice. It's not what we want to do. Well, I'll run away. They can't watch me 24 hours a day. Maybe you prefer outward bound? I don't care. Do what you have to do. Well, Jane. Jane! Let her go. How did we get here? You know how we got here. No, I don't. I don't want to send her away. I'm not going to let you make this my fault. Did your parents ever threaten to send you away? No. No. If anything, it was like threatening to lock me inside. Yeah, fair. You know? Yeah. But they fully threatened to send her to like scared straight like they're like we're going to like where they send bad kids on maury like (laughs) when they show like the cutaway of them being yelled at in the forest by a boot camp person yeah that's what that was um this is like it's all too escalated too quickly and i don't know how we're gonna reel it back from here somehow we get progress in this movie and then she's able to go back again and then we get progress again Mm -hmm. but where we're at right now I really didn't think that there was going to be another stutter step. Like, I really thought that we were going to be, once she turned that corner, we were going to stay on that course. Right. Because this is bad where we're at right now. Yeah. It's for a lifetime. Stereotypical probably for life. Possibly much more common than not. But definitely, um, this is, a, this, for, in, terms of, in terms of lifetime, this is getting close to a low. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, this movie in general is just, like, very low stakes. Mm-hmm. Like, first love, breakup, like, her only, like, crazy thing that she did was go out and be drunk. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and, the only, like, the highest possible stake is that Miss Walcott could lose her job for comforting Jane. Right. But, like, this is not a movie where the town is involved. Yeah. And the town should not be involved. <laughs> like, this isn't trying to think of that version of this lifetime movie would be like there could be a version where okay we could all stick to the version where her dad is running for mayor and it's a small homophobic church town and if she comes out then that could threaten the mayoral race even more than the fact that her dad gave a sex worker chlamydia and she's going to speak to the paper about it but what else could what like what would be ooh what would be a version of the story in which it becomes the business of the community? If she was a local sports star? Probably. Like, yeah. maybe she was, like... Or she, yeah, or she was, like, student council president, maybe. Yeah. Or, like, so, yeah, if she participated more in school, uh, yeah, if, her, if one of her parents held political office. Or it could be that, let's say, she was a school president... And she decided to allocate some funds for an LGBTQ fundraiser. And people tried to say that she was misusing funds to push her gay agenda. Nice. Then that could get a small town worked up. But there's really no all of San Diego is upset that Jane is gay. Right. Scenario. Right. Really. (laughs) Um this is this is like taking place in San Diego for some reason. I mean, they do reference the East Coast later on, so I'm like, where where the fuck are these people? Right. Oh, uh, what? Oh, he almost got the cord. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, Wags is just being a busybody over here. I brought out a rotisserie chicken, so shit's just fucking crazy. Um, so Jane is now in the middle of nowhere at a payphone. Um, she rips a page out of the phone book. <coughs> she knocks on Miss Walcott's, Walcott's door. Uh, she introduces Jane to her partner. They have a very, like, sweet homey home, which they do an amazing effect for later. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Her partner offers to make her some tea. Um, she's like, oh, Jane, I've heard a lot about you, which like is not what I want to hear necessarily at a teacher's house. It's sweet, but I would be like, just don't tell the students you've heard a lot about them ever. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. don't want to feel talked about ever. I don't like anyone saying that they've heard a lot about me, good or bad. Fair. That's you know, really fair. I'm yeah. like, just don't hear about me. <laughs> um, so she tells Miss Walcott her parents are sending her away. She feels really alone. It's so sad because we're looking at this like paradox of like who Jane could become and like mm-hmm. having her own apartment and living her life and having a partner and one day mentoring a closeted teen. Um, and then we have Jane who's on the other, fu- on the other side of it. It's a very, it's very sad. It's very, very sad. Jane says that she, she's like, she has some suicidal thoughts basically here. She's like, I wonder what it would be like if I was dead or something. It's very, it's dark. So, but also probably something I say like 12 times a day. I just think that Jane means it. Um, So Miss Walcott knocks at Jane's parents' door and she's like, I know you don't want to see me. Jane ran away. She came to my house. Um, Janice is like, well, can I have the address so we can go get her? Just like not the order of operations. Like if it was that simple, she wouldn't have drove, driven over. She would have right. brought the kid with her. Yeah. Um, she's very dense. Um, so she says, you know, I want to talk to you. Before, I want to talk to you first. And she's like, I know it's not your place. This is a great speech that the actress does. She does a great job with this whole thing. But she basically says, like, I may repulse you, but I know Jane's pain and it's real. And she didn't choose who to be. Um, Janice is basically like, this is where we disagree. You made your choice, but like my daughter, this isn't going to work for her. And frankly, I don't think you should be around young girls. Um, fuck you. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs) so then she asked her, she's like, do you understand that girls look up to you? They want to be just like you. So then Miss Walcott's like, no, sis, let me finish what I'm saying. She says, basically, like, you can go to the school board, you can tell on me, but Jane is in agony, agony that she doesn't need to be in. She ran away because they think they hate her. No child should have to go through this. Being gay doesn't make her daughter a bad person. Um, and then Janice says, well, I love I love her differently than, than you do. And she says, um, you don't have to understand it or agree, but unless she's going to try, she's going to lose her forever. And then Janice says that she knows her better. She just wants to keep her away from women like her. And this makes Miss Walcott snap. And she says, really, you think you know your daughter? Then, she, um, then you know your daughter came to my house tonight thinking that suicide was one of her options. It's ve- that's it's poignant. That's the big changer. It's big. Now, Robert is the one who's oddly not expressing a ton of emotion in this. Like, never does he move. Like, he's standing behind his wife at the door, like, with his arm on her shoulder. And he's having a totally different emotional experience with this information <laughs> than she is. But he never really says anything. It's mm-hmm. like he's just looking at Janice to, like see how bad she'll fuck up so he can, like, gauge his reaction properly. Sure, Um, And I needed more of, like, an oh, my God from her parents, like, when she said that, because that's a big piece of information, very serious piece of information she just dropped off at the door. Um, So 
then we cut to Janice kind of walking through Miss Walcott's living room to speak to Jane. Jane is sitting with Miss Walcott's partner. Um, she has to speak to her alone, which I would not have allowed if I was any of the adults in this party. I would have been like, well, I'll sit over here, but you can talk to her. Like, if I was Robert, I'd want to be in that room. Sure. Who knows what the fuck Janice is doing. Yeah. So they sit down and talk, and I don't know if you notice this. We're going to play this this scene where they have this conversation out just because it's um, it's decent acting and a fair amount of real estate um, for this little information. But you might notice that there's like a fire very visibly flickering in front of them, and that's that's illustrated through lights that are just kind of like oddly glimmering on their face. Oh. You'll you'll enjoy it. It's Definitely a it's, it. it's a great effect. Miss Wilcott came over tonight and told us something I'd never considered before. She said that if I continue to behave the way I've been behaving, that I would lose you permanently. I'm your mother, and I love you. And I don't want to lose you. When you first told us I thought, what have I done wrong as a mother? And I did think, what will people say? What do I tell my friends? But my first reaction was that I didn't want your life to be any harder than it had to be. The world is not a nice place. And I guess I had the same dream as every mother has with their little girl. That you'd meet a good man. You'd fall in love. You'd get married, have children. Those are your dreams. I know that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When did you first feel that you were, um... A lesbian? It's okay, you can say it without becoming one. (laughs) Oh, God. God, you're exhausting sometimes. Sorry. I've always known that I was different and I didn't feel a part of things I'm not sure when it became clear probably last year but I guess it's always been inside of me what's the hardest part about it? people you care about will hate you. I could never hate you. I don't think I'm going to change and I know you want me to, so 
What do we do? I don't know. We'll just try harder. I will if you will. I don't know if I'm ever going to accept it. And frankly, I don't know if I can understand what you're doing. But take it day by day. An hour ago, I didn't think I had a mother, but now I think I may be meeting her for the very first time. Here's the thing, Janice, she's a fun lady. Like she, she's she is fun when she's not do like when she's not putting her daughter through it. Otherwise, we see good good things of Janice. She seems to have fun friends. She seems to like, you know, take time out of her life to do stuff like that. All I have on her is that she has two friends, but <laughs> I mean, that's all we're allowed to have on her. Yeah. I mean, she's a little like, she's funny with Jane during certain scenes earlier. Like I, I want to, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. And I think that frankly, she probably could be very great at one of these MLM things. Maybe that's a good use of her time. Have you ever been to a flag meeting? No. Okay. It's very 80s, I think. I know people still go to them. Maybe it's still very 90s. But, like, I feel like PFLAG, I don't know that many people really go. Jane asked her mom if she'll go to a PFLAG meeting with her. They've really, like, Jane is now, now is on the other side of it and trying to get her mom to be an ally, which mm -hmm. is nice that yeah, she's gotten that comfortable so quickly from compared to she was afraid to breathe in that house two days ago. Right. So her mom's like, P-Flag, what kind of name is that? And she's like, parents and friends of lesbians and gays. So um, they get there and they're greeted by an older woman named Dorothy who's like, hi, I'm Dorothy. My son is gay. And it's very AA the way that she does it. And um, Janice is like a little bit, she's shook by this. Like yeah. she has, and Jane's like, hi, my name is Jane and my mom's daughter is a lesbian or whatever. Um, and Janice is like, well, why would you need to say that? And Dorothy and Jane exchange a knowing look. And <laughs> I love Dorothy because Dorothy's just like, Dorothy doesn't mind a challenge. She's like, I'm going to fucking climb this mountain. She's like, you think this is the first homophobic parent I've seen today, Jane? Please. Like, I <laughs> fucking deal with this every day. Like, don't worry. She just doesn't know yet. It's really nice. So I, I think that this is like the best. I think that this is where we get like the best acting in the movies, similar to Kate's Secret, where we really started to see some good stuff in the A and the, um, eating disorder meetings. Sure, yeah. This is um some nice, fun... This is making up for everyone else sort of time. So, <laughs> 118.41 to 120.01. This actress is my fucking queen. I'm going to look her up right now. First, I thought it was me. Then I thought, what will people think about me? What kind of horrible mother am I? Then when... I almost lost my child because of my ignorance. I found her again. And who she was 
was exactly who she was always meant to be. A good child, kind child, my, my child, excuse me. What I came to realize was that none of this has anything to do with us. It's their lives. And we as parents need to let them live their lives as they see fit, not as we see fit. Ring a bell. Damn. Jane, when do you turn off? Oh, Jane doesn't turn off. It's amazing. So I think that this actress is playing the character of Lorraine. She's either Lorraine or she's Margaret. But, um, or I'm sorry, Lorraine or, or Susan. But I think she's Therese Summers. She was in the movie um, Eight-Legged Freaks starring David Arquette uh, as well as Terminal Velocity. She has a lot of ticket clerk, cashier, shopkeeper, waitress. This is typically her sort of thing. Um, But she is in The Truth About Jane right in in 2000. She's killing it. I hope she's okay. I thought she she did a great great little performance here. So um, now we're with Brad and Jane in the kitchen. And Brad is such a little fucking prick. Um... (laughs) He is just at the fridge and, and, um, she's giving him a gift. I think it's a video game or something, which is like kind of expensive, um, to just give your brother as a gift. So Ned comes over for a barbecue with the family. They're looking all cozy. Like the two of them are having like a little whisper moment. And Jane's like, oh, mom, don't go there. We're just friends. <laughs> um, and then Brad says, she's still a dyke, mom. Um, and then her mom goes, and she's still your sister, so watch your mouth. So then <laughs> Jimmy and Beth, who are at this barbecue, I didn't even notice them until this moment, they start clapping, and they all they all clap for her, for her personal development. And she's like, oh, go to hell. Um, <laughs> which is probably, like, not the thing to say, like, to anyone in this scene, but that's fine. Like, I, it, it just stirred me a little bit at, like... Just, like, don't tell, like, a a gay teenager and your gay friend Jimmy to go to hell. Like, I just (laughs) feel like it wasn't, didn't seem right. So that night, Robert tells Janice that he's proud of her. She stepped up for Jane. Um, And she says that they have a saying in AA, which I did not know she was a part of in any way. She says, um, but I I mean, we see her drink, so I, I don't think she's in AA, but she seems to have a working knowledge of the AA book. Because they have a saying that says, act as if, which I didn't know that was from AA. I just thought that was like a saying, right? Act I, as I, if. I haven't, I haven't heard it before right now. Like, act as if, like, you're the boss. Like, act as if, like, you know, you are in, you're where you're supposed to be. Like. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and so she clarifies and says, ask, um, act as if you understand or accept something, even though you really don't. That's where she, but that's what she's doing right now. Um, because it still really breaks her heart. <laughs> So at school, a kid goes to pick on Jane, but Walcott steps in right before that can happen. Jane's like, you can't protect me forever. She's like, no, but as long as I can, I'd like to. Oh, so good. This is my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) When Ned walks up to Jane in the hallway and he has a shiner and she's like, what happened? And he's like, 
Some guys called me your fag hag, which is hilarious because you're not a fag. <laughs> Ned, that's not why that's funny. And also, it's <laughs> not correct. It's just, it's just. Oh my god. Like, it's just the idea. I mean, can you even picture boys like at the peak of this? Calling Ned that. that right. I've no. never seen anyone call a straight guy that for hanging out with a lesbian ever. <laughs> right. It's kind of innovative. Um, <laughs> yeah, in my notes I put, Nick V. Cool for getting beat up for Jane's rug munching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the nice solid of him. He goes, whatever, I beat the crap out of him anyway. And then he just kind of like moves along. Yeah, like, his face is bloodied. Yeah, and then Jane says, um, she says, if I had been straight, I would have married Ned right then and there, <laughs> which is not how straight works, actually, either. Um, you do not marry Ned in the hallway at school. So Robert <laughs> watches a game with Jane. He's taken her to some sort of, like, fucking local baseball game. And he's like, so are you okay with Taylor moving back east? News to me. Interesting. Um, she's like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, how about this game, huh? And she's like, uh, dad, don't think I'm gonna start liking sports because I'm gay. <laughs> and he's like, well, how about fishing? I suppose golf's out of the question. So what did, he goes, so what do lesbians do like to do? Oh my god. And she goes, same things as you like to. Can we go home now? <laughs> so they get home. Janice is doing a big puzzle at the table. I love how the family has redirected their energies. Like, Janice yeah. is now puzzling, like a, a fucking 5,000-piece puzzle. Brad has now moved on to a Game Boy, because somehow Brad has been rewarded on the other side of this two weeks with a fucking Game Boy. He's upgraded. This is unfair. I call bullshit on that. That's a big deal to get. That's like a holiday gift. Unless we totally miss Brad's birthday. <laughs> Possibly. Um, or Robert's making even more money than I thought. So <laughs> Janice is like, Brad's like, can I go to Jeff's house? And they're like, yes, Brad. So Brad goes up to Jeff's house, which we were saying before this. I find it weird that they're just willing to push Brad off no matter what. They're like, oh, literally someone wants to take you into their house. Go to his house. Like, I feel like they just didn't want Brad. You're right. I mean, like, now that you say that, I realize they probably just didn't like Brad. Part of me was thinking that... Maybe this was a comment on, like, how mothers mother their boys so differently. Like, who knows what kind of fucking pedophile Brad could run into on the way to Jeff's house. Right. Who knows what the fuck goes on at Jeff's house? <laughs> yeah. Who knows, knows what's Furthermore, that? what's going on with Brad and Jeff? Like, we don't know. <laughs> and if this is, like, you know, you just got a sneaking suspicion about Taylor, like... I would like to think that most of the time if my mom had a sneaking suspicion about someone, it was because she was like, they have oddly mature vibes, sure. like, or something. But I feel like that was never Janice's beat. I feel like she just kind of thought, maybe she thought Taylor was mature, but I don't think that, I think she kind of secretly suspected there was something. Well, she did mention that, like, she felt like Taylor was, like, too, like, too mature. She does yeah. say that, yeah. She was a little metal. So Jane tells them that she appreciates all they're doing to accept her, but she doesn't need them to try so hard. So then Janice goes to a PFLAG meeting on her own. This clip is just about two minutes, 124 to 125.50. This is a backslide that I didn't need or want. I I really was disappointed to see this. Yeah. Especially because we've got maybe seven minutes left to this whole last movie. Right. My name is Lorraine, and my daughter is a lesbian. I'm Susan, and my son is gay. My name is Janice, and 
It's okay. Let's start the meeting now. What do you want? I'm not gonna hurt you. Then what do you want? I bought you this. Why would you give me a present? I've never been nice to you in my whole life. I know. But I've never been nice to you either, so I thought I'd try it. I'm the one who told people you were gay. I know. It's a trick, isn't it? No. I don't get it. There's a saying. Kill him with kindness. In a few years, you'll know what it means. Why can I eat over at Jeff's house? Because we have to have more family dinners. Why? Because we're gluttons for punishment. Because we're a family, son. That's in the eye of the beholder. Give it up and you'll behold your room. <laughs> How are the P-flag meetings going, Janice? Um, good. Good. We have this uh, gay pride rally next week that... Uh, I don't know, it's kind of field trip. Great, great. Good for you. Well, um, I don't think I'm going to be going. I mean, I'm I, I'm getting better, but I I just don't think I'm ready to shout it from the rooftops yet. One step forward, one step backwards. I didn't need this. There's going to be another scene coming up where basically Janice comes in and she goes into Jane's room and sits on her bed. Another one of these classic talks. And um, she says that, you know, I think I'm making a pretty good effort. This hasn't been easy on me. And Jane's like, well, your support is quiet. Like, you don't accept me unless you say it out in the open. Yeah. Which I both thought was true and a lot to ask of someone who she's come pretty far in about four business days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that said... This is fair. Um, I also think it's weird that, I mean, when you have very, very good gay friends, you know, like, you know, pride is coming up. Like, mm -hmm. it's so interesting that she's talking about it. Like, it's this like, well, there's a carnival three towns over, apparently. Like, you know, it's just like, it sounds like something very small. Like, we made bigger deals of like a local jam festival. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, come out and try someone's marmalade. So... <laughs> Um, basically Jane is like, mom, you're not really supporting me. And I wrote in my notes that I just felt like this was a weird sort of like representation of like the grief. <coughs> Ooh, bless you. Sorry, bless me. Um, it's like a weird kind of like, I guess maybe I should take it as an audience member as them representing like the grief she's experiencing and mourning her daughter's heterosexuality, which is like this implication that that's something she lost. Yeah. As opposed to like the dream of, of that or whatever. Like it's very, it's, it's strange that we need to be, we need to be taken back several steps to like, that's the only, the grief is the only metaphor I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's pretty accurate. Yeah, cause I mean, she's had this whole thing, this plan for Jane for forever, and now that it's ruined, she does have to like be like, okay, yeah. I have to let go of like, the wedding and the grandkids and stuff since this is in 2000 and like now stuff is like totally doable but like yeah she has to just like more her grandchildren are dead now right sure yeah sure 
I will see the other aspect of this though is that like that's a big to get to a meeting is a big deal like yeah, if by it's, yourself if it's anything like if it's any sort of thing if someone's like actually like going to a meeting on their own even with another person but then let alone on her own she's been going to P flag by herself where she's welcomed with open arms by Dorothy my fucking queen <laughs> as well as Lorraine and Susan who all of these women are my favorite actresses and they should be working so much more Susan is played by Maydell Dixon, by the way. Great name. Um, but yeah, I thought this was like a, a strange step back. And of course, we have to always, you know, brace ourselves for that big surprise lifetime ending. Um, Jane gets to the gay pride rally. They're all holding, everyone's holding different types of signs. Like one says, I'm proud of my gay dad. Another one says, I love my gay child. Another one says equal rights, equal rights in the USA. Um, one sign I saw said straight, butt," and I'm assuming it was an affirming word, but it was, I was like, okay, so they're really like doing the most with these signs. They're making everyone out here feel like something. And like, this is so stupid, but like, Watching Jane and her dad at the gay pride rally reminded me a lot of being at the women's march in DC and just like how many dads were so proud to be there for their daughter and like so excited to be there for that day. And I was just like, that's like what any parent should want for their kid is to be like, okay, like I'm like some fucking straight dad. Like, does it serve me? to be at like a woman's march no but like this is what i should be doing for my daughter you know and everyone paid a lot of money to be there and like took their time and like it was a big debacle for everyone to be there so like when i was watching this i was just like you know what this isn't easy for robert robert's walking in a straight guy with his two kids brad is there do you think really brad he brought brad like that's how much robert wants to make this work for the family and like i do think that this was sort of the moment where I mean, I always knew that they were never going to break up, but this is where if she hadn't shown up to this fucking gay pride rally, that would have been it. Oh my God. The divorce (laughs) papers. Like, are you kidding me? They'd be getting printed at the lawyer's office right now. So, um, she's there with her dad and brother. Dorothy walks up and, um, Miss Walcott actually runs into them first. And Jane's like, you know, Miss Walcott, someone might see you. And she goes about time they did. Um, which is so sweet. I was weirdly like watching Robert's face when yeah. Miss Walcott came up there and I was just like, are you uncomfortable? Cause you watched a whole bunch of lesbian porn, Robert. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. I mean, Robert, like, didn't even want his daughter to speak to a guy because he knows guys love to fuck girls. So who knows what he thinks is going on? (laughs) Um, They were practicing kissing. Right. So, Robert, (laughs) do you think Miss Walcott has been practicing kissing her girlfriend? Oh, yeah. They're just waiting for for the right guys. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... Robert um, is like, I'm really sorry your mom won't be here. Dorothy from P-Flag comes over, my girl with her big fucking earrings on. And she's like, where's your mom? We're all making a speech. And um, Jane's like, oh, my mom won't be making it there. And Dorothy goes, well, it's a process. And I just like love Dorothy. Like she, Dorothy's like 70 and she is just making it fucking work. Like not only is she going to be in p-flag she's gonna lead p-flag and also be looking for jane's mom yeah but also hold jane's mom's hand like through the through and jane's hand by being like you know what not only does it take time but i'm here for you i'm dorothy (laughs) i'm a fucking selfless dorothy for fucking mayor she should be the principal of this town there you go so i love dorothy so lorraine and dorothy get up and they're like 
you know, my name's Lorraine. I have a gay son. I'm Dorothy, blah, blah, blah. So they're doing the thing. And then Jane starts to like look around in the crowd. She's feeling very alone. Is it going to happen? Yes, it happens. Her mom arrives there. Um, and the, the movie sort of ends with this little monologue over just like a image of, um, everyone at pride. Um, and it says the amazing thing about change is that everyone can do it. Even the people you least expect it from. My mom was finally the person she was always supposed to be. And I was so proud of how she'd grown up. Um, and then it says, uh, this is dedicated to Matthew Shepard and all the people who love differently. Beautiful movie. Well, I cried. I did cry. I don't often cry at these movies, but I like, I, I, I'll have a moment. I, I, I'm a sucker for any sort of like heartwarming sort of family thing. When did you cry? I think at pride. Like, I think when I was like, oh, poor, you know, like Robert, but I was thinking of the woman's march and like the whole time I was like also criticizing myself because I was like, Molly, this is like a fucking 50 person gay pride thing. Like, this is not the women's march, but it literally, it was just the notion of like what it really like. I don't know. It's so stupid, but like being, be truly being an ally to your child. Cause yeah. like, you know, Robert of all people, it serves him. It serves dads in general and very little to be invested in their child's like sexual interests at yeah. all like guys it's a, dudes like dads unless they're like you know shooting at the boyfriend's feet as they come towards the house or whatever they don't really typically have a huge stance it's kind of yeah. like ugh, like even with boys and their daughters so it's just or with boys and um their and boys and their girlfriends so like i just it was like very moving to me to see him there and to be like fucking robert man like Stalker Channing couldn't get her shit together. Gay icon still couldn't get her shit together in this <laughs> scenario. And then Robert just like, you know, bringing fucking Brad along. Like, you know, for all we know, Stalker Channing wanted them out of the house and said, bring Brad. We don't know why Brad was there. It just yeah. was very, it was hard. It was, it warmed my heart. Fair enough. What did you think? I liked it. I definitely got way more invested than I thought I would. These movies do that to you. Real emotional. Yeah, I I watched it this morning and I was just like, I found myself like like screaming like half an hour in. (laughs) Really? Because you were so frustrated by like the. I know. I was like, I was well. I talked out loud when um, (laughs) Miss Walcott was introduced, and then I also was just like so into the whole Taylor thing until she became a fuckboy. So like every time, like I gasped at. Um, when they were going to hook up for the first time. Yeah. I was, like I was floored. You really hit the nail on the head, which is that Taylor is a fuck boy. Like yeah, that's dude. exactly what a fucking fuck boy is. Yeah. It's like, they just like make it just like the way that she was speaking and the things that she did. Like, it's just all, yeah. it all fits man. And like, what's funny is that you don't, you don't, you don't realize it until Taylor breaks up with her and you're like oh fuck like this was all this is all predetermined she said this stuff before already yeah 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 yeah. that's what was jarring about it was that like she seemed really into her yeah like I would have fallen for that I would have fallen like are you kidding me like I would have like absolutely if someone like was new to school and they were like aggressively hitting on me and like made a (laughs) point to like come by my house I would think, like, this is a big deal. Like, I remember, like, the first, like, guy that, like, kind of put the moves on me. Like, I was 
yeah like i would have believed anything you told me probably yeah and then like yeah i just feel so i feel bad for her and of course there's like i don't think there's a gigantic out population at this school she seems to be the only person that's out right there was like two girls that were out at my high school kind of by just it was like very obvious that they were together yeah but there were really no, I mean, looking back, there was no out guys in my class. Yes. But also tougher. looking back, but the high school I went to that had 50 people per class is shockingly gay. Like, I would say a good 12 guys out of every class, wow. which is like almost like, you know, they made it probably like 60 to 70% of every grade. Like a good portion of them had come out after high school. And I wondered if that was the case at most high schools. It's just that at that small school I went to, we were much more networky. Like we were, it was so small that we all followed each other sort of after high school and like knew each other and kept up with each other. Whereas when I went to my big public school, like you kind of knew the kids that were gay and then like you kind of also just don't really know who like came out after high school. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. But um I think yeah, I mean it's what are like what are the statistics on that? I feel like half of a high school sh- should be gay now. Well, yeah, I'm not or sure on the, the statistics obviously are on, on the spectrum, spectrum somewhere. Yeah, I I have no idea actually, but I'm sure it's a little bit easier now. Right? Well, I, I would hope. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously... I mean, I think the general consensus is a little bit easier. There's obviously, like, horrific stories and stuff that we hear. But, yeah. I, again, like, the Matthew Shepard, that really actually really hit me in an interesting way. Because I was like... That was a huge national scale issue, which I think was probably one of the first times in my lifetime that I remember everyone feeling very bad about violence happening towards a gay person. Yeah. Even though that was not the first time that has happened, it was just the first time that it was a big national issue. Yeah. And then two years later, this movie is still dedicated to him. Whereas I feel like if they did that now, not only would it feel awkward to do a dedication, but it would probably constantly be updated throughout the yeah throughout the movie being made yeah cuz we are more like people seem to think also and you know this and i know this but like i need to say it out loud because i've been noticing someone said recently like wow like like it was like it was something like as simple as there is like there's a lot more stories about the police being bad on tv and also um, people being wrongfully accused of stuff on television. Mm. And I said, that's because our news cycle is open to picking that up. Like, but yeah. that's always been the case. Yeah, and people are like, totally. no, but it's like really bad now. It's like, no, it's been, it's been happening. I'm like, if anything, it's maybe slightly better. We're just paying attention to it more. Like, yeah. can you imagine, like that, that situation in Brooklyn this week or whatever, where the woman said that that boy grabbed her ass, but it was really, did you see this? Mm-mm. So it was like a woman was at a convenience store and she's very like, artsy Brooklyn white chick liberal and this mom is leaving the grocery store and her son is black she's black as well and her son is like maybe eight 
and he's wearing a big overstuffed backpack and he walks by the cash register and his mom sort of like grabs his hand so the boy turns his back and his backpack brushed against the woman's ash they're calling her like corner store carol now (laughs) um and she called the police and the family was just like like what are you doing and like they were someone was filming her and this guy was saying like make her go viral make her go viral and the mom's like no like i just like i don't understand what's going on here she's saying that and the woman's on the phone with the cops and she's like a child just sexually assaulted me and it's like well that statement in of itself is like they probably if it's a child then like you know they're probably not malicious and it was like an eight-year-old boy but she's like this bodega has cameras like you guys are like you know stay here and of course the bodega pulls up the video and it's just his backpack his vinyl backpack with a book inside of it oh my god rushing against her which i don't think can be mistaken for a human hand but that's fine um and she you know, had to come back and she had to watch the clip on the news in the bodega. Like they filmed her for the news watching it. And then she made a public apology, but it's like, that has always gone on. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a once in every major city a day type thing. So like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I originally started with this, but I just want people to know especially when I'm talking to you at a party or something and you try to act like fucking like police brutality is a new thing or like violence against people, the marginalized is a new thing. Like I'm going to bump on that. Like that's not true. Guys, if you, if you're in your car and this is surprising for you to hear, sorry, change to NPR, man. You're not getting the news. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I didn't realize this, but this is timely. Uh, October 12th, 1998 was when Matthew Shepard passed. Really? And today's October 15th? That's right. That, that's what just came out the other day was that it's 20 years, right? Since that happened. 1998. Yeah. Yeah. That was in the news all this week. It's, it's wild that that's been 20 years. It's also crazy that that's all it's been. Yeah. But, but also crazy that, yeah, yeah. Wow. Because I feel like I remember hearing that story very clearly, and it was a very visceral, like, it was, that story was so violent that I think every, that's probably a big reason why everyone felt it so much, was that it was in Texas, but also it was just incredibly violent. And so that kind of was like a, he definitely, I mean, Matthew Shepard still probably more than most gay victims of of any sort of um, violence, he's probably the one that most are na- most charities and stuff are named after. Yeah. Um, but that's a, it's an insane impact that he's had on, like, kind of the, the culture overall. But even just to think that two years later, it made total sense, like, to everyone to be, like, dedicate this movie to him two years after. Yeah. It's... It's a lot. It says a lot about how much this wasn't being spoken about and why, as much as I'm, I'm annoyed with stalker chanting right now and I find this movie to feel very like after school special. It can't all be revenge porn, baby. Yeah. It can't always be isolated crimes to our generation. Um, so 
I will ask you this before we get into our scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you do every one of these movies with us, mm-hmm. and you typically do not watch them before unless mm-hmm. you've. Have you ever happened to see a movie beforehand? Mm-mm. So you watch these movies and post mostly. What was that like for you to watch it beforehand and come and record the show? It was. It was really interesting. I was afraid that I wouldn't um, have like a ton of notes to take or whatever. Um, because like every every one of your guests like has like a like a laptop or a notebook of notes, and I was like worried that I wouldn't have anything to say. No, you brought the most insight to it that anyone could, which is why we why I wanted to do this. We've I mean the fact that we had never done any sort of like LGBTQ story on this podcast, mm-hmm. and that really the only representation we've had is like the fun gay friend. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was like, it was a fun thing when I was like, you should do the show. Yeah. To, to choose this. And then also to see like how underrepresented, 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 represented, underrepresented, underrepresented. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> underrepresented. This, this is on Lifetime. Sure. Yeah. And it's super, these are super hetero movies for the most part. Mm-hmm. Occasionally you'll get a really good friendship story <laughs> right. or occasionally you'll get crazy lesbian undertones like we did in um, The Other Mother when we watched oh, that. Yeah. Oh, wait, sure. The Other Mother? Was that... No, no, no. Was it the last... We the were... one I watched for our live stream was called The Other Mother. Okay, there was another one. Wicked Moms had some undertones as well. The one there with Lauren Lapkus that we just watched. Yeah. Um, but The Other Mother was, um, for anyone who's a, a movie club watcher, if you were on that live stream, hi to all 15 people that were on that live stream with me. <laughs> um, this movie was... And I kind of hate this when you're like, oh, just make out, like, between the two characters, because 90% of them, like, you're just projecting some weird thing onto them. <laughs> sure. But this was, like, it was truly, like, I thought every woman in this movie was about to smash, as did the entire <laughs> chat room. And I was so like, good. okay, well, I'll say it, too, since we're all here. Yeah, it's weird. Like, is this mom going to hook up with her daughter's friend? I don't know. <laughs> Um, so Sammy, you know better than most people how this scale works. What is your favorite movie? Uh, She's the Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a good call. Thanks. <laughs> is it really your favorite movie? Yeah. She's the Man? Wait, which one is... I was thinking of She's All That. What's She's the Man? Uh, she's the Man. Uh, Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Bynes. Oh my Tatum. God. Yeah. People really like that movie, actually. That is one solid-ass movie. I was on the Bechtel cast with, uh, recently, and we talked about it. And since then, I've watched it maybe... Like five more times. So it's based on like a, it's based on As You Like It or something, right? It's based off of Shakespeare's The Twelfth Night. Okay, okay. Or yeah, whatever that title is. And it's like, uh, she goes in to be a soccer player, but she has to Mm -hmm. pretend she's a guy. Mm -hmm. The classic switcheroo. Sure. Um, I've actually feel like, unless I mean, you're like all over my social, like because of the algorithm, like Mm -hmm. you're one of the first people that always pops (laughs) up for me. So unless I, Literally, I'm just overly tuned into your social. I feel like there's something, there's a wave out there with She's the Man that's going on. Because I've heard other people talking about that movie lately. I think it's having a moment. I think so, too. I would I would love it if it was having a moment. I would love also, and I know everyone says this and it's cliched, but I would really like Bynes to have a moment. I know she's sitting on a you, stack of secrets and yeah. she's been through a lot. And I, you know... 
can't ask her to do something I don't know that I would do, but I will say that Amanda, when you're ready, the community wants to welcome you back. Yeah, dude. And by and by the community, I mean everyone who enjoys entertainment. Um, <laughs> an, an incredible entertainer. Yeah, she's a great entertainer. It's yeah, it's it's interesting too because she was sort of like an annoying kid on like all that or whatever. So if you grew up on that, then you're because that's the only reference I have of her is oh, like okay. that weird. Sure. Age where I was still watching Snick or something, but like (laughs) wasn't. So I, I missed all of the movies except for I saw Easy A, but all the movies where she was sort of like a ingenue, like I missed all that. So gosh. Yeah. Watch She's a Man. So good. Is it Frankie? Frankie Munez is not in that. No. No. Okay. So She's the Man is your favorite movie Mm -hmm. and that's a five. That's also a high school movie. Mm -hmm. Acting. Would you feel like this is closer to? I mean, we had heavy hitters on this. I thought this had one of the best supporting casts. Sure. Of any, like, well, they always have such good, so that's how Lifetime makes its fucking money. The supporting cast? Yeah, is they bring in, like, they bring in, like, people with, like, you know, 10 lines or something that shoots, that shoot, like, two, like, RuPaul did probably two days on this fucking movie. Sure. Um, my queen, um, Dorothy. Jenny O'Hara, who played Beth. She probably did two days on this movie, but sure. like she brings a certain, a certain level of like, you know, weightiness to this whole thing. Same thing. Stalker Channing, great actress. You called it probably very miscast in this because there were moments where like when she laughed, when, when, um, Jane was like, you can say the word, mom. It won't mean you're one. The way that she laughed was a very pure, like almost nice Stalker Channing actress moment. Um, yeah. But Jane sucked. Sorry. Yeah, Jane sucked. Taylor sucked after a while. Um, all the friends were bad. Brad was Brad horrible. Brad was awful. Oh, the friends were awful. The friends are like Amy Davidson. <laughs> who is she? The friends were awful. Like, none of these girls, I would never believe they're popular. I mean, it seems like Amy Davidson, who played... Um, Elizabeth, the girl she pushed out on the ground, she fucking works. Speaking of work, this woman is also nicely in that sci-fi nice thing. You got to get in there. Um, I would say no higher than three. No high. No. So acting is yeah, closer like 2. to 5 she's a man? Or th- 2.5 or 3. Okay, let's give it a 2.5. Okay, great. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> Believability of the world and characters. I feel like this is a 1 or a 2. Yeah, it feels... It felt... Agreed. I think it's... A, let's give it a 2. Yeah, it's a gay gay struggle light. Yeah. But I think that's what people needed, though. Yeah, it has that nice Degrassi adjacent, like everything's going to be okay, but like we're going to get real first kind of thing. Um, creative use of words to avoid censorship. I mean, I, big whoop stands out to me because <laughs> it was just such a, an awkward scene, but overall I feel like they Couldn't kind of really dodged most subject matter. Yeah. Let's give it a two. Okay. It's not crazy. Dialogue. I mean, I want to give this like a three or a four simply just because of how often the voiceover did not match up to what we had just seen in the scene. Sure. That was really like, I'm going to stick with my theory that the writer had to like spruce up dialogue mm-hmm. but was really just trying to turn his script in on time and it sort of like pre-written the voiceover sure i did love the sass though 
I thought that when she, when Jane fought back, she had some stuff going on. Who is Lee Rose, who both wrote and directed this movie, by the way? I'm not sure. Um, it's a, it's a woman. Is it the um, same person that did the other gay movie that we were giggling about? That like she did all, she like seemed like no. she did all of the Lifetime gay movies. Oh, maybe. Um, let me see. So she definitely, she's written on a lot of shows. Actually, she's done. Um, Lincoln Heights, Greek. Um, she wrote Beauty and the Beast. She wrote on that show that was rebooted. Lost Girls, um, Haven, Grace and Frankie. Nice. She's written a lot of, she's written a lot. Um, Riverdale? <gasps> Bitch wrote on Riverdale? She's, she's out, she's out here working. No, I don't know. Are you a Riverhead? I do like Riverdale. I've only seen a little so bit of it, but I, I know I like it. And I'm so excited for Sabrina on the Teenage Witch. Oh, nice. Um, are you? Um, yeah, I love Riverdale. A big, big Cole Sprouse fan. Really? Yeah, I love that guy. What a turn. Is that Jughead? Yeah. Oh, I love Jughead. Yeah, I have Jug a Jughead is a good kid. I mean, I thought Jughead was hot when he was a cartoon. So, like, of course I love <laughs> Jughead now. Um, yeah, she did also write An Unexpected Love. I wonder, I mean, is this just, oh, wait. So she directed, actually, all those all those TV shows I was telling you about earlier. Oh, wow. She directed, like, Grace and Frankie and Riverdale and all that stuff. That's awesome. She's mostly written TV movies. Um I want to know what her first one, It's Nothing Personal, was written about. A female cop turns bounty hunter. Ooh. Okay, so she writes meaty roles for women. That is her, that is her thing. A girl thing. Okay, is she the goat? <laughs> is she, okay, I've seen this. A girl thing is a mini series that revolves around New York City Street, a coffee house, and a shrinks office. Dr. Beth Noonan is the therapist to one star per hour. One hour deals with, um, one uh hour one deals with the woman not capable of having a relationship hour two is about sisters who hate each other trying to get along one last time hour three is about about adultery stalker channing was also in this one. Oh, okay a stalker thing because i remember a girl thing kate capshaw was in it it was like a, it was it was having a moment um but this woman writes a lot of lady-centric stuff. This seems to be her wheelhouse, in addition to being a very accomplished director. Good job, Lee Rose. Yeah, proud of you, girl. Um, okay. Wait, so... Sorry uh, I dissed your, um... Sorry I dissed your monologue. I mean, I think probably... <laughs> f- I'm gonna give it a four. For dialogue? Yeah. So, okay. There was a lot there. Wardrobe? Yeah. This was really good TV movie wardrobe and that it all looked real. The 2000s were so unfortunate. They were really bad. But it's not my job to hold the 2000s against them. That's true. I mean, I thought it was really... I like I pointed out her hoodie and I thought it was like really realistic that she would just kind of continue wearing it throughout the whole thing. Like, and yeah, Taylor's $12 shirt really spoke to me. The <laughs> one that she walked in with. I was right. like, oh, that is like... You have six ninety nine to spend at the mall. Mom gave you money. You got to go get some fast fashion. Yeah, they're, they're so poor that she could only afford that much of a t-shirt. Yeah, and Beth had watermelon earrings on. <laughs> I mean, I want to give this like a a two. Okay, not bad. Hair and makeup, mm. pretty bad hair. Yeah. Um, across the board, everyone really got a, a good um 
hairspray job. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> makeup wasn't bad, but it seemed like they really went crazy with the hairspray. I mean, I think it's like kind of a three. Okay. It's like just like the hair was really bad. Music is bad. Yeah, the music, no licensed music. It was all like the same flute song. Yeah, and it never, that set no wags. It set no tone. No, not at all. I'm giving it a four. Okay, sounds good. Crying is also going to be kind of big because we got that great scene of Jane. Her meltdown. I I don't think I've ever cried like that in front of another person in my life. Like. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a hard, hard ass cry. In her father's arms. Yeah. As her mom went to go out her teacher. Like that was like. (laughs) I would have picked one. You know what I mean? I would be like, I'm going to stay in the living room with my dad or I'm going to go do this in my room, but I am not going to cry like this in the living room with, <laughs> in my dad's arms. Sure. I also thought that it was like unexpected that she had that hard of a cry for the teacher versus like the breakup. Well, I think that she felt really fucking guilty about outing her oh, teacher sure. to her, her mom that was going to go get her fired. Like, yeah. I mean, that's something to feel bad about. Yeah. Truly. But... Miss Walcott took it in fucking stride. She never once even said, like, so what happened with that? Yeah. Um, let's give it a three, just because okay. Jane's overall acting was pretty shitty, <laughs> but not in a fun Tory spelling way. Um, victimization of the female character. I mean, this was a movie where Jane was gay, and that sucked, but I really didn't feel bad for any other woman in this except for Miss Walcott. Right, yeah, because, like, yeah, there wasn't any, like, clear... I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know who ah. would feel bad for Stalker Channing. Truly, right. and I definitely don't think anyone should feel bad for Dorothy. <laughs> um, no, Dorothy's got it. Um, Beth, I felt a little bit bad for, but we're really here to talk about Jane. I mean, here's the thing with this movie that's unlike a lot of these movies <gasps> is like. It's a little bit easier in my mind if I had to guess. I've never dealt with this either one of these situations. But if I had to negotiate something that I felt would impact my life harder or longer, it would be a rough, like rough coming out period comes in slightly below like my entire high school passed around nude pictures of me that got into the hands of some pedophile. Like that's like some, you know, that's what I think of a lot of these teen movies where I'm just like, Oh, that would, like, affect every single relationship I have for the rest of my life. Yeah. If that happened. Whereas, like, this had, like, sort of a sunny ending. I think that mm-hmm. was a really rough two weeks for Jane. Yeah. Um, she seemed to be fine, though. <laughs> but she's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, you know, mom showed up to the Pride rally. I I think this is, like, a three. I feel... Okay. I mean, do you think it was more? This is... No, I, no, I don't think so at all. Let's give it a 3.5. You know what? Let's give it up for Jane. 3.5. <laughs> um, failure and or refusal to jump to the logical conclusion. This wasn't that bad of this for me. Yeah, there wasn't. This was like a one. Yeah. It's not. They they got it. Drop plot lines, though. I'd like to know what the fuck happened with Taylor. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. you really, you really <gasps> called out Wags. You really. <gasps> Wags is biting my feet. Um, you really called out. Not just like, it's kind of the inconsistencies with Stalker Channing's character, which to me were like ultimately plot line issues. Yeah. Um, yeah the dancing, the math. <laughs> the dancing, the math, the sort of like, what's your beat? Like, do you want like a, like a normal quote unquote heterosexual daughter who like gets married after college and has two kids? Right. Or are you, worried about like her story changed a lot and i think that it was it was almost i don't know if it was a 
character problem or just really fucking unlikable that she also seemed to throw her daughter under the bus at like any given point. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a it's like a 2.5. I that needed to sense. know more about what happened to Taylor. What did East Coast? And um, the font. I mean, it was pretty standard. It was just sort of like a Helvetica moment. Yeah, it didn't really do anything cool with it. Let's just say a three. Okay. Well, that's uh, Not the best, not the worst. Yeah. I mean, this movie, not a crazy score, but I think it was a pretty good movie. And overall, what I liked about it was how similar it was to something like a Degrassi versus like some of the really dark shit that comes up on this network. Yeah, true. Starving in Suburbia was probably one of the worst, just because, like, as soon as one kid got better, another one died. Oh, my God. Um, And it was, like, the tragedy just... It got off the lead character, but bled over into the community. This, thankfully, was contained to this family. Uh, uh, Okay, total is 32.5. 32.5. Not very high. Not at all. I think we're rocking a solid 55 on the movie that Ronnie and I did, Another (laughs) Woman's Husband. That was really bad. Um, But that said, really great. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Sammy, make sure you plug all your social media. We'll also link all of it in the description. Cool. Um, You guys, do you want to, do you want to like say your pods or anything uh no there's so many pods um follow me on twitter s-a-m-e-e-j-u-n-i-o instagram is it your sam i-t underscore s-y-o-u-r underscore sam s-a-m and you're part of like a lot of live shows and stuff and i Mm -hmm. feel like people always call please advise or ask me like where do I go to meet people? Like, this is the type of... Sh- the, these live shows are the type of things I'm talking about. Like, when I say that. Like, oh, if sure, you sure, like sure. comedy and you want to go meet people, follow someone like Sam. Go to live shows. Do it up. Yeah, do it up. We have a historical roast and fictional roast that are monthly shows at the Comedy Store if you're local to L.A. or coming to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just check us out. Search historical roast or fictional roast. Yeah, so stop fucking asking me how to make friends. <laughs> I was, <laughs> but please call 323-450-7408 and leave a message for Please Advise. We're coming back next week. But, um, yeah, no, this is the exact, that's exactly the type. Sammy, someone you all should know. Oh, um, thank you so much for doing this with me. Wags, thank you for being here. Um, I'm glad that we made this work and, um, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget that we are actually expanding the season past 15 episodes. I think I've told you guys that already. Um, we're going to be doing more of a two weeks off, three weeks on sort of schedule just so that we have plenty of time to produce these things and make it all happen. Of course, holidays, um, are an exception, but my goal is to keep bringing you guys episodes of this more regularly throughout the year as opposed to seasons because that's what you guys are asking for. So also support our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash MMISWP. And also we have a new... Guys, we have a new spinoff podcast on the Mother May Sleep Podcast Patreon page called 12 Months of Christmas, which you guys are always asking me for. Thank you. I know there's people still listening to this because I watch your watch or your listen time. And you guys really <laughs> listen to this whole fucking thing. So thanks for that. But um, a lot of you guys have asked me over the years to do Christmas movies, specifically Hallmark Christmas movies. I don't know if you've noticed the nature of this whole fucking podcast, but I don't fuck with Lifetime or Hallmark. I fuck only with Lifetime. But we have now a dedicated Hallmark Christmas movie podcast. They do 55 movies a year over at Hallmark. Okay. They're Whoa. pumping them out. 
So go check that out. It's on our Patreon. And um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. The amazing thing about change is that everyone can do it. Even the people you least expect it from. My mother was finally exactly the person she was meant to be. I was so proud of how well she had grown up. listening to season three of mother may i sleep with podcast our show today was made possible by our coordinating producer nicole matthew as well as our producer sammy junio much love to christina lopez for all of her help and elizabeth brozek for that killer logo we love it when new listeners find our show and the best way for that to happen is landing in the apple podcast charts you can help us out with that by making sure you're subscribed to the show and if you want leave a review and if you really want to support the show you can head to our patreon patreon Patreon.com slash M-M-I-S-W-P. For information on our ranking system, episode details, and social media, head to Mother May I Sleep with Podcast.com. I'm your host, Molly McAleer. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under M-O-L-L-S, Malls. And if not there, on my couch, binging Lifetime movies. See you next time. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.